Welcome to the Sonic Cloth, a podcast about musical rabbit holes. We got a little bit of a first for the show today, so I finally caved and decided to do a year in music review episode. Um, I think I just found that the cultural forces for these things are, are too strong and I'm a little bit too weak. So I'm pretty sure at one point I said on a previous episode that I explicitly would never do this. And yet here I am indeed doing this. So I guess the lesson is don't ever say what you won't do, especially if you talk into a microphone and operate an RSS feed. But as for the year in review, you know, 2023 was an abomination. I give it a zero out of 10. I give it a worse new music. But we're not here to talk about the hellscape that we live in. Not directly anyway, I'm sure it may come up here and there in the context of the music. Um, I'm super stoked to get into the year in music with today's guest, my buddy Wes, who is a new friend I made this year, um, who is a rad human, a a music nerd of the finest variety, a Detroit city dweller, and a really good show buddy. So hi, Wes. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely, dude. Thanks for having me. I think think I should also add to that list of... uh titles you gave me a uh, fellow Flenser enthusiast. I feel like that's going to be very relevant to what we're talking about today. Yes, first and foremost, actually, we are we are Flens heads before we are anything else. Yeah. This, this is our identity politics. <laughs> you know, it it honestly uh it got me thinking leading up to this cuz like, you know, you've had uh, like on your show so far, you've had like other Flenser fans, even a couple like Flenser artists too, and like kind of makes me wonder like at what point does this just become like a Flenser podcast? Like what's the what's the ratio of like regular episodes to Flenser <laughs> episodes before it's just like a total takeover? You know, if yeah, if you were to categorize my episodes, which of which there are not that many, if it's a pie chart, the Flenser and Flenser adjacent is taking up the biggest piece of the pie for sure. But I will shout out the Create and Destroy podcast, which is I don't think exists any longer, but like absolutely was the most Flenser and Flenser adjacent podcast. Uh, Don, I think, like interviewed majority of like the roster. Jonathan, like a, a whole bunch of other people. A lot of like Flenser bands that would become Flenser bands that weren't at the time too. So the I gotta I gotta give pay my respects, pay my due. I'm not trying to be the Flenser podcast. I think somebody could come in and take take that lane up quite easily. Could be, but but you're a runner up at the very least. You're 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 doing your best. It, yeah, it's more like the certainly not the intention, but because because it's a music podcast and because the Flenser is just so so like embedded in my musical psyche and like everything I'm like I'm just always checking out anything that comes out on the Flenser all the time. It just it just organically pops in. Um, but that brings us to actually how we met. So earlier this summer, I attended the Oblivion Access Fest in uh, Austin, Texas. It used to be called another fest, right? It was like a it's like Austin it, Terror Fest, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, it was, that's what it was, and it was like a heavy extreme music fest, and it's still got like a fair amount of that, but it's it's really like branched out into. I don't know how would you, how would you like describe the the lineup and the vibe of the fest? Yeah, I think since uh, since they transitioned out of like the the Terror Fest days, not that I was super familiar with it up to that point, but uh, based on just like my experience with it or like being aware of like what the lineup was like really diverse for sure like catered to just super wide variety of music nerds um of which i am and you are as well of course so inevitably it was going to draw us and i think once we uh once we heard news of the flenser showcase that was going down like that was an immediate like that that sealed the deal for me i was like i 
I'm getting that plane ticket. I'm booking that hostel. Let's make this shit happen. Um, and I'm super glad it did. It was a just incredible experience. Yeah, I love a, I love a good showcase. And I think Flinzer has done a couple of these before in like the East Coast where there's like it's all Flinzer bands playing. But this this had to have been like the most amount of Flinzer bands playing in like one zip code, <laughs> like in a 24 hour, 48 hour period. Like it had to have been easily for sure. It was, it was a really like incredible experience, but also just like a very challenging one. Uh, like, like you mentioned before, like um, I'm a Detroit native and like the summers can get like pretty toasty up here, but like nothing like what uh, we experienced down in Austin. It was a, uh, it, it was pretty, pretty miserable, honestly, just like upper nineties, like broke a hundred, at least a couple of times I would say during that, like that, like four day period. It was uh it made it quite a challenge, but uh, definitely an endurance challenge. But I'm glad I, I'm glad I stuck it out for the what like, at least a dozen Flenser bands that like played across like those those few days. Um, absolutely unforgettable, despite <laughs> just how like drenched in sweat I was after like just a couple of hours of standing around. It was hellish. I'm from Arizona, so I'm used to one ten, one fifteen. I mean, and this summer we hit a record. It was the the most amount of consecutive days over 110. I think it was like over 30 days. Jesus. And then I show up in Austin where it's like 98 or 100, like you're saying, like hovering in that range, like from like early, pretty early morning until like all through the evening. Yeah. And just sweltering humidity. I mean, people kept, I kept asking people, I'm like, is this fucking normal for this place? Like what's going on here? <laughs> and because I know, I know Austin's humid. I know parts of Texas are really humid, but apparently there's some kind of like system that was hovering above austin like for the last like week or two i was in total discomfort the entire time um and i think a lot of the bands that we saw <laughs> were also like really struggling too but you know it may sap some energy out but it does kind of like with every you just would look around in the crowd and see like everybody was just equally kind of just drenched in <laughs> misery and like misery like uh, d- deeply uncomfortable but kind of just like l- trying to let go of that and and I don't know, it created some kind of uh, weird thing. Remember, there was like a huge delay, like right before Chat Pile set. Oh yeah, yeah, it was over an oh, hour. The I think. lightning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, there was a, an hour delay, and uh, and during that hour delay, they just put new metal, corns. I think System of a Down, Slipknot, Slipknot like a whole bunch yeah. of pants. <laughs> this is just you know the venue or the folks running the showcase, you know, understanding very well their uh, the the audience as well but we didn't actually meet at the showcase we met we met the next day i think yeah i I remember um like saturday so the third day that was like after the after the night of that like showcase uh i had planned for that to be just like my chill day like just poke around austin i'd never been there before i just wanted to like explore for a while and i did manage to do that and then like around five or so i like hopped on the discord the flenser discord at like just the right time and saw like flyer for this show um just kind of like a free after party one under some like random ass bridge somewhere um with like sprain elizabeth color wheel and a few other local bands and it was kind of just like hey this is going on like if you know you know come on by and i was just immediately like let's make this shit happen like trying to get in on that lift uh just like go together on one and uh yeah then i think i think i walked over to mohawk one of the venues for the the festival and that's where we met and uh went from there it was a crazy time yeah 
yeah, I think Fuck Money played as well. I remember them. Mm-hmm. They're a local Austin band, like like punk like band. There was a couple of noise artists that I don't remember, but kind of blew my mind. At uh, least one of them. I think uh, Blank Hellscape is that the one you're thinking of? Yes, they were the super noisy one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they were sick. Just a little, a little terrifying, but like the best kind of terrifying for sure. Definitely, and we had also discovered that we're staying in the same hostel as well. I think I was just, you know, Flenser Discord people. I wish I could remember everyone. I would, I would shout them out, but they're all really, really sweet, good people, good humans. Um, we all just met, yeah, on a on a random corner by the Mohawk, and then like we ordered a, an Uber, and it just took us to some sweltering underpass in Austin <laughs> below, <laughs> like beneath the highway. There was no one there. We we're like the first ones there. We got there before, like even the they started setting up for the show. And we're just sitting in this like humid underpass with like the loudest insects I've ever heard in my life, like yes. <laughs> just all collectively buzzing, and we're just like drinking beers. Yeah, <laughs> that's the that's the price we paid for being so overprepared. Just like sitting there in the sweltering heat, like warding off all the mosquitoes and shit. It was it was a little rough, but also great time to make friends. We were a little too timely for like a noise, a noise like impromptu DIY like punk thing <laughs> for sure. But it, it ended up being a sick time. We were there for like I think like five or six hours. I mean, we were Easily. we rallied till like one or two in the morning. Cops showed up at some points, and people were able to convince them to just move along. Nothing to see here. So, yeah, somebody did some sweet talking, thankfully, because it was like yeah, in the middle of the first band set, and we were just like, oh shit, like <laughs> did we all come out here for nothing? But uh. They let it slide, I guess. And we saw, like you said, Elizabeth Colorwheel played. Who, I don't, did they, Elizabeth Colorwheel did play, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, they, were, they didn't play the showcase. They played the night before, maybe. Did you go to the Thursday gig? I, I was at the Thursday gig. I was going to, I was going to mention that because like, that was the day that I flew in and uh, I caught like a super early flight out of Detroit, like 7.15, 7.20 a.m., something like that. I had a layover and then I landed in Austin around like, two maybe and like and of course like added an hour because of the time change like i got an hour back and uh, i think by the time that thursday night gig ended after chat pile set was over i was awake for like 22 maybe 23 hours um i was ready to collapse i just had to like sit down for like the last couple sets and just hope that i wouldn't like pass out it was a little rough but i feel like that like broke me just enough i was like that was the worst i went through Everything else should be not quite as bad by comparison. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smooth trajectory from that point on. Yeah, honestly, you're like just. I need to go retire to my bunk with three other strangers right now. Not, not the most ideal setting, but it's something. <laughs> you were like, you did the Flenser completest thing. You went to the Thursday, sh- like mini showcase. You went to the Friday big one, and then you also, you also did the Giles Corey's show, right? Yeah, yeah. That one was. Uh... Obviously a bit shorter. It was just Giles Corey and um, Bing and Ruth. Bing and Ruth. Yeah, the yeah. ambient guy. Um, he just did like a piano based set, which was really beautiful. Um, and like, yeah, it was it was extra satisfying just getting to hear the Giles stuff live. Um, I almost managed to talk to Dan. He was like chilling at the merch table, and I like bought a shirt while I was there, but he like left right as I got up to the uh, the stand, unfortunately. Um, but it was still like still incredible um i was like almost tearing up during like blackest bile it was just such a meaningful moment and uh to hammer home how much of a flint's head i am that was also like probably about an hour after i had gotten a tattoo of the flinzer logo 
Um, That's right. Shout out to Shona for making that happen. So I was like, like took an Uber straight from the tattoo shop to the venue and just had like my Sanaderm on it and was just hoping that it wouldn't like, you know, sweat right off. Of course it did, like right after the show because it was fucking Texas. But <laughs> and you weren't the only one who got a who got a tattoo from that artist, right? Yeah, yeah. I think there were at least a couple other folks who did too. So um, That's yeah, sick. This was truly a uh, a, a pilgrimage, a Hajj <laughs> to like a Mecca moment for you. Honestly, though, yeah. So, so thanks for thanks for uh, thanks for acknowledging my uh, my Flinzer completionist um, <laughs> rewards there. Of course, <laughs> it, it is a cult, right? And uh, you know, if if you wanted to run the cult, like I would, I would, you'd get my vote. I <laughs> I appreciate your vote of confidence. I don't think you're seeking th- that kind of power, but yeah, if if I was, I would uh, I would use it for good. At least at least at, at the start. Um, you got to like become an admin on the discord first, like work your way, you're going to work your way up. There are steps. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I acknowledge that for sure. Who was, uh, who, who was your, um, or I guess what was your favorite performance at, uh, at Oblivion Access? Maybe specifically like Flenser bands while we're on the subject. I'm, I'm not the completest you are. I only did the Friday showcase. I did see some other showcases while I was there of non-Flenser stuff. Really, I was really like equally as excited to see Lu- the reformation of Ludacra, mm. who like I'm a, I'm a mega fan of, and I never thought I would get to see. But in terms of, you know, I guess it, between the showcase on Friday and the underpass show, I'll I'll kind of do a tie. I will say just seeing Mamalik is like, it's such a rare event, and they were phenomenal. And to see such a strange and odd band one i i don't know it's just always been hard for me to imagine like them playing to like a a packed house like it's just not the type of environment that you picture that that was just phenomenal it was really surreal like fever dream kind of set along with like the sweltering nature of everything you know they got the hoods on and like the 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 sort of like bags over their heads and stuff so um yeah there was a mosh pit during mom week that was fucking pretty sick no doubt yeah, that was great. You said they tied with somebody else? Who else, who oh, else did you Yes, dig? yes. I, I will also give it to Sprain, who we saw at the Underpass show, who was like incredible, and then also played um, in the smaller room. And it was so packed that all I could do was just kind of like peek my head, like into the, like I was in the other room, but I was like peeking my head inside. But even that was enough for me to like, for it to register just how phenomenal that set was. And then this isn't. To a lesser extent, Agriculture was the first band that I saw who kicked off the fest, and I was just so blown away. And I've seen them live since then, and I'm just like, oh, you guys are incredible. They've got it down. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot for you to choose from. (laughs) No, absolutely. Um, I think think going into the... The, the whole festival experience I was um, I was most stoked for chat pile and getting to see them twice was like incredible because I uh, I think when they did their most recent Midwest tour um, or I guess when they headed out uh, more eastward they didn't hit Detroit mm-hmm. sadly so that was like my that was my shot and I'm glad that I, I took it so they didn't disappoint gotta hand it to Mamalik as well since it was like what their fourth or fifth show ever <laughs> like yeah. for the the rarity alone that was um just unforgettable i'm kind of piggyback piggybacking off of your answer but like agriculture was just one of the most like joyful dare i say ecstatic um <laughs> experiences they just looked like you must say ecstatic i think you must you must it's a requirement yeah 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 um <laughs> but uh yeah they just look so happy up there they were having such a blast and also yeah like one of the first bands to play so it was like early enough 
in the evening where like people were obviously like really fucking hot but like it wasn't like you know getting to people quite as much as it did later down the line so they definitely had energy to spare they were hopping up and down like absolutely losing it up there it was uh it was inspiring it was it was super cool to see i also did the same thing with sprain i feel like we were probably like smush next to each other because i only caught like five minutes of their set through the doorway but uh Uh, yeah but i i saw enough to to get a sense of what they were getting at um although i had no idea how like massive their their new album is going to be but more on that later yeah no doubt it was it it was an incredible incredible time it was truly a a flenzer pilgrimage and it it was almost like i was so hyper focused on the flenzer stuff it was is like there's a lot of other music beyond just the flenzer stuff but i feel like it felt almost like everyone was there for it but i know we were probably just in our little our little bubble um so it's a little easier for me to say that true yeah um but yeah, it was uh, it was it was great to meet you, and we hit up a record store. I think on our last day or the day before, mm-hmm. um, and got a ride to the airport together. So and kind of been in touch ever since. So you know, a, fr- a friendship came out of, came out of this whole thing. Absolutely, man, it's been a good one, and uh, and now here we are. Here we are. Yeah, let's um, let's get a little bit into what we're doing today because it's not just kind of a twenty twenty three review. I think. I think I don't remember who suggested it, but I think it was you that said, "Hey, let's. What do you, what do you think about covering some stuff that's probably not getting like passed around on the on the year end lists, and maybe some intentionally pick some of the most o- more overlooked stuff, not which may not necessarily be like your favorites of the year, but just kind of focus in on some of those some of those uh, un- overlooked albums that uh, still killed it." So. That's what we're doing here today. We're basically spotlighting these overlooked, un- maybe underappreciated albums, the ones we want to give a little more shine to that we spent a lot of time with this year. For me, like I got, I, I, it sucks that this happened, but I got addicted to YouTube this year. <laughs> so my listening habits kicked down a bit. Like every year before that, it was like progressively more and more and more. And I was just like spending more and more time with music. But I bought a YouTube premium subscription and I got kind of like, into some weird rabbit holes, which I don't recommend. Don't watch YouTube shows. Keep listening to music. Stay stay away from YouTube content. <laughs> Political left commentator space and bread tube. Um, you won't you won't like who you become. Trust me. So uh, <laughs> issue that warning out there. But I thought maybe before we get into like our underappreciated, overlooked albums, which of of which we have two categories: our runners up and our actual um, albums of the year. Um, we're doing five runners up each, and then we're going to trade off. Um, we each had four, tasked each other with picking four albums of the year. But let's talk a little bit about like the bigger albums that we enjoyed that are showing up on these other lists um, and are getting a lot of love and don't don't need to be talked about too much here. But like, what what kind of like bigger twenty twenty three albums that you're not going to talk about in your other picks? Um, did you want to shout out? For sure, I feel like right off the bat. I'm going to be stealing this answer from you, but obviously uh, it is, there'll be overlap. It is well known that Billy Woods uh, is on a run Um, (laughs) him and Elucid. (laughs) So yeah, easily uh, maps, both maps and uh, we buy diabetic test strips. I've got to make my own personal year end list and they, they, they deserve it all for sure. They absolutely Mm -hmm. did not disappoint once again, just more incredible, phenomenal music that I'm really stoked to uh, be witnessing. Like just the, creation the release of like right when they're happening as i'm sure you are too same with like other uh other like hip-hop releases too obviously like peggy and danny's uh scaring the hose um 
that's like yep. <laughs> that's going to be making plenty of lists and making lots of nerds happy uh myself included outside of hip-hop maybe a couple others i could mention would be i don't know how many year-end lists it's going to be making but uh jeff rosenstock put out another just you know another great album I've been seeing that one a lot in a lot of places. What does it sound like? Because I don't know that I've ever given him the time of day, but I've always thought his thing is like kind of like power pop or like kind of old, like pop punk even. Is that the vibe? It's it's pretty accurate, yeah. Um, and with, with this one in particular, I think the um, the production value is definitely like, has been upped quite a bit. Like I think it was like um, recorded it at like a bigger studio with like a legit producer or something like that. Um, and he was kind of going more deliberately for like a classic pop punk record sort of feel to it, but it still manages to be very like, and this is something you could totally pick up on if you like listen to his older stuff too. It's also just like very, uh, very like self-reflective and like, he's, you know, like writing lyrics about the fact that like, he's doing pretty well. He's like, uh, I think he does like the music for some like cartoon network shows. Like he's got like a pretty stable income at this point it seems and he's like Mm -hmm. talking about the fact that he's successful and like how that rubs up against his kind of like punk credentials and his own kind of like code of ethics and stuff but uh yeah it's it's another like super solid entry like if you if you listen to the rest of his stuff like if you're already kind of a big into like what he's doing like this one probably won't be like super surprising it's not like a huge change up but another another fantastic entry no doubt it's a it's probably a change up from his album from last year, which was a ska album, right? <laughs> or, or no, he had he had two albums, right? And then one of them was a ska version of that of that album. Yeah, he like re-recorded his entire previous <laughs> album as a right. as a ska album. <laughs> yeah, as an ex as an ex ska kid, I mean, I can I can appreciate that. Seems seems like a fascinating dude. He is a uh, a cool and based individual, as they say. Gotta yeah. gotta agree. And then one other I'll mention is, uh, actually, I think they were at Oblivion Access, but I ended up seeing them a couple weeks before before the festival, uh, Jerome's Dream. Uh, they reformed recently oh, yeah. and put out a very solid album, The Gray In Between. Um, mm-hmm. Very short um, and just kind of mostly bare bones, kind of screamo stuff, but really beautiful, very melodic. Um, the melodies are able to cut through all the, the noise and the feedback and stuff, but... Uh, that's that's been a really satisfying one to just like kind of have on repeat because it's like so short and um so like you know feels very urgent and stuff um that's that's another one i've been appreciating did you see jerome's dream on the tour where elizabeth color was opening up for them? i did actually yeah that was my okay that was me too yeah oh, sick yeah that was my that was my second time seeing elizabeth color wheel and i like met up with a couple buddies who aren't super big like flenser heads although they're like aware of the flenser and i was kind of just like giving elizabeth color wheel some extra hype i was like check out like like pay pay the fuck attention to this set you will not regret it (laughs) how do you not i mean like with their performance you know what i mean it is like i feel like anytime i've seen them live it freezes everyone and like people are either stoked or like have a look of like confusion or terror (laughs) like my it was hard to i went with a couple friends myself and it was like i was so stoked on their set and i i don't think my friends weren't stoked on their set but it was i was kind of like they seemed to still be processing it you know which i was too but i was just like yes this is this is it guys this is it (laughs) and they were like holy shit what the what did i just see i'm gonna need a minute to think about this one damn (laughs) i mean like if you're a band and you have uh elizabeth color opening up for you like oof like you better you better put on 
a good show after. And Jerome Stream is they were one of the loudest bands I have ever seen in my life. Easily. <laughs> yeah, I was I was glad I was able to uh at like during that concert experience in particular, just like didn't have quite as much confusion, thankfully, because I'd seen them before when they opened for liturgy. Um of course another oh, yeah. fantastic band, uh easily able to follow them up with their own incredible music too. But that was my first time seeing Elizabeth Color Wheel. I'd heard their records before and like kind of had a sense of what their vibe was, but had absolutely no idea what I was in for. And then Lane just starts like weaving in and out mm. through the audience, just like whispering and whispering. And then all of a sudden, just like that blood curdling scream uh, really, really caught all of us off guard. I think we were all a little terrified, but, but yeah, another, another great set for sure. The whole band is phenomenal, but Lane is a star. I mean, come on. It's just true. Did you have any others that you wanted to shout out? Uh, I think that's there. There are others I could talk about, but I feel like that's a it's a satisfying number of them for me. Uh, if we're like, yeah, this whole this whole fucking episode is just an exercise in limiting in limiting ourselves, our excessive selves, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like if we if we could, it would be like yeah, five six hours long or some shit. Um, I know three hours is yeah. If this gets to three hours, then like I'll be like yeah, we exercise some pretty good discipline here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, so how about you? Any heavy hitters for 2023 you want to highlight yeah i mean there's definitely overlap with our lists i mean i think i probably chimed in on anything where there was overlap i'll shout out the uh midwife and uh viva melancholia orb weaving mm. album is incredible i think that that's a beautiful album um really enjoyed that i really liked the king cruel record i thought the wednesday album was was amazing too mm. I just started getting into the new Tim Hecker and I like feel confident enough to put that on the list. Also played Oblivion and Access, which I missed, but that was a big event. Cause I don't think, I don't think that fool plays live very much. Yeah. It was a, I was super bummed to miss his set too. Um, yeah. There were a few, I feel like there were a few artists like that where they, uh, they like set them aside kind of on their own like performance. And then like the individual rate for those nights was like 80 bucks just to like encourage folks to get like the full pass. But I did it more. Mm-hmm. piecemeal and i was just like i really want to see him i really want to see like yellow swans i really want to see like earth but i just couldn't justify yeah. it um yeah i was also bummed to miss tim as well because because that new album is really good and that was at the church i think same with the earth show so that just would have been such a cool venue to see anyone great at. setting yeah i uh, the colin stetson album is also really really phenomenal i discovered this um album by this a group called Titanic. The album is called Vidrio. I think I learned about this from Pitchfork. I think they they gave it best new music or high rating. This is it says actually this album. Like looking back, the exercise I should have put this in my top four. I sort of regret it because I do like it a bit more. I don't know that it's an overlooked necessarily super overlooked album, but I haven't really met a lot of people who like it. And the Spotify numbers are not like crazy or anything. But it's like this jazzy minimalist kind of like broke pop album. Um, in Spanish, it's got a lot of like parallels to the album Laughing Stock by Talk Talk, which mm-hmm. is just one of my North Star albums of all time. So that I'd shout out that one. Uh, I like the new Swans album a lot. I, I think you do too, right? I uh, I can dig it for sure. It's um, it had to grow on me for a while. Like it, mm-hmm. I, I didn't quite get it right away, but but I think it's especially ever since I saw them live a few months ago, it really like sunk in for that's me. where it kicked in for me yes that was a that was a big conv- that was my first time seeing them so that was a a big convincing uh factor there but yeah it really it really does sound like jira's just like 
at peace with the whole project and is just doing this like big not that like the album itself is just like one big retrospective although there are like retrospective elements to it like i think he does still manage to um push it in like some new directions but he is very clearly looking back and like that's um kind of a beautiful thing with their just like massive insanely creative and amazing like discography for sure yeah, I think, you know, the last maybe three records have gone a little less abrasive, a little less groovy and more dreamy um, and some more like major scale kind of like uh, post rock kind of sounds. So I like I like that evolution, obviously, from, you know, historically, they're just such a volatile, like <laughs> raw, like band. So I it is I, I, I agree with you. I think it's cool to not just enjoy the album for what for what is on the album, but to see it in the. In sort of the the greater body of work, if you if you go back far for them, did you like the Reverend uh, Kristen Michael Hader album? That's a I, I did really like it. I've only willed myself to listen to it a couple times because it's 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 kind of a tough listen. Um, it, it's a, it's a lot. Yeah, it, it takes me somewhere. <laughs> I I gotta say, I uh, I I can um, well I can speak to a little bit of the uh, the live experience for it because I did see her at her um her final North American performances as Lingua Ignota. And on the final, like the third day of that, like little festival thing in Chicago, um, she like previewed a bit of like what would be her, her new project as the Reverend. Um, so I had a little bit of taste for it and she did play some of the songs there that ended up on the album. So I kind of knew what I was getting into, but especially with those like longer tracks toward the end, like it just like something about them was just like extra hypnotic. I was so immersed. Um, and like, it just like would totally if I listened to them like early enough in the day, it would just like totally change like the tone and quality of my day. Like it just like always stopped me in my tracks. I'm like, oh no, I gotta sit and think about this shit now. <laughs> it's interesting because I think I mean tell me what you think. Like I think Kristen Hader and Gugnoda is a very like adjacent to the Flenzer kind of artist. Mm. Like you're gonna see you're gonna see Flenzer t shirts at a lingua show and you're gonna see you know vice versa the same thing so and and there is sort of like a a cult-like interest um and fan base in in both places i really like the record i've to be fair i've only listened to it a handful of times it's hard not to want to compare it not see it in the lineage of like you know sinner get ready which is like one of my favorite albums of the last decade probably Mm -hmm. and kind of felt like a really such a interesting evolution and when there's like an interesting evolution from like one record to another or even more than that you want kind of want them to keep going it's like a selfish music listener thing and you're like keep going keep going and this is that but it's just you know obviously there's a lot of reasons why Kristen would want to put the you know the lingua brand um to to bed and and embark on something new so this is just a, a new a new beginning i suppose um that has some similarities to the previous work as well so but i thought it was a great record i don't i think i at least there's at least a handful of songs in there i think are incredible and some stuff that's a little more challenging for me to get through and then the last things i'll just say um this was a pretty good year for metal too um i like the wayfarer album a lot out on Profound Lore. Uh, Malo Carpaton put out a great record. The Fantafaxath album is excellent. And also that is a metal band everyone should see live. Phenomenal fucking band. And then the Horrendous album is also really a really great death metal uh, record too. 
on albums. I put together a short list, and you don't have to match me on this, of albums that I was really excited for that kind of let me down. Because I never get to talk about that on the show, so I like to... I liked this, I saw this as an opportune moment. Um, the Jesse Ware album, I was just not into. It was so... And this is going to sound like a weird complaint for her. It was like too upbeat and too party <laughs> mode and not enough like crying on the dance floor kind of thing. I'm very picky about like this type of like pop and like disco and stuff. But well, I love, I do love this like style of music, but I just thought her previous record was just one of my favorite pop records ever. And this one was just, this one was hard for me to get through, but I'll say the people love this album. So don't fucking listen to anything I have to say. <laughs> I, uh, I I sadly haven't listened to it yet, although I've seen it ranked pretty highly on on some charts. Oh, so yeah. like, uh, it, it's only a matter of time before I check it out, and we'll see we'll see how our evaluations compare at that point. Yeah, and then um, the other one, the Paranul. Do you know that group? They're South Korean, like yeah. shoegaze emo kind of group. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a big fan of this record, despite loving their their kind of big breakthrough one that came out um, a couple years ago. I think it was called "To See the Next Part of the Dream." Yeah. I just thought everything they did on that album was was much better. Just, uh, I don't know. The, the album is a little heavier. It has a little more of a pronounced shoegaze and emo element. And this one is more like an, an indie pop kind of leaning. And uh, I don't know. It's not It's not like it's a bad record. And again, people love this record too. So this is one where I'm like very much against against the crowd. Yeah. I don't know. Did you did you listen to this one? You have feelings about I, it? Yeah, I feel like I'm I'm pretty much where you are too. It's, it's definitely... Uh especially in comparison to the previous album which also I, I i quite enjoyed um it's it's uh it's softened up a little bit and that's uh i feel like that really does it for some folks but not for everybody um and i think i just kind of fall into that that latter camp there but i'm open to it uh growing on me a bit more i've only heard it maybe two or three times so we'll, we'll see how that one how that one shakes out in my uh year-end stuff same i do like when i come around to an album um, and it may just be one of those things where I just need a few listens, but those first listens, I was, I was not, I was not loving what I was hearing. And sometimes I'll just, I'll just end it there and, and just, and just conclude my opinion or whatever. But, <laughs> and then I'll hear someone else playing and I'll be like, wait, is this the new one? Oh, why does this sound fucking great now? What's wrong with me? Why can't I what be consistent? I thinking? <laughs> Did you have any albums that you, uh, you want to throw some, sh- a little bit of shade on? Any stinkers? Yeah. Not too many. We've definitely talked about it before, but the new album by The Armed was an unfortunate... It was kind of an unfortunate... I um, I don't want to say flop, because like, there are some tracks I enjoyed, and I also don't want to talk too much trash on them, because they are like hometown heroes for me. And I just saw them live like two days ago, and they fucking killed it. Such an incredible oh, sure. live band. Like I, They they deserve like pretty much like all the hype that they're getting, um, and I, I hope that they fully like become like a a death clock-esque like world's greatest band like just take over the world like i really really want that for them uh but perfect saviors just like didn't didn't quite do it for me um and it seems like you're kind of you have similar opinions on that too from what i've heard the last album i hated the first few listens and then i it eventually did grow on me this one was oh i really I really was not feeling it at all, and I haven't revisited it since. But I should. Um, I was gonna ask. I've seen live video of the arm, but what do they? What does it sound like when you're there? Because their sound is so dense and layered, and it can be kind of like a big sheet of sound, like while being muscular too. 
I don't know. Just what does that? What does it sound like live? Uh, from what I from what I recall, um, and this is before it felt like I was astral projecting in the pit because I just <laughs> left my body for a while naturally. Um, yeah. From what I can recall, the the density is still there. It's incredibly loud. Um, certainly up there with like some of the louder shows that I've like been to. Yeah, I feel I feel like every single part is just like fighting to like explode outward from the stage. Um, although this time mm-hmm. around, it was they did mix it up a little bit because um, that uh, that saxophonist Patrick Shiroshi, I think, was with yep. them. He did like a cool kind of chilled out like saxophone intro before the rest of the band came out and started the set. Um, and he was able to like fit in some sax parts, like I imagine probably improvised uh, over some other tracks that like don't feature um, sax, like oh. and even like older tracks too, from like only love and, oh, and like nice. probably a couple of ultra pop ones too. But, but his, uh, his sax really cut through the mix very well and like enhanced a lot of those tracks. So at least there's that. Um, <laughs> there was a little bit of a twist with this one. Yeah, as uh, as you've probably gathered from like even just like live footage and uh, maybe other folks have from like what what you've heard, like just absolutely fucking nuts live. Constant crowd surfing. Kara, the the one vocalist, she like. I think a couple of times she was able to get pretty close to the back of the venue. Like folks just carried her all the way back. Um, and it's like a, they played at St. Andrew's hall, which is like kind of like a, like the, the standing room is like kind of long, like kind of narrow, you know, um, at least compared mm-hmm. to other venues. So like she was going like a ways back. <laughs> it was pretty <laughs> impressive. And she's still like belting it out on like fortune's daughter and like uh, a couple other tracks that she did like lead vocals on too. So just all respect to her. And, the rest of the band too um another fantastic experience um definitely up there with like concert experiences for the year they're working out for a reason right <laughs> you know it, there's like there's a goal it's not all it's not for vanity no absolutely maybe there's a little bit of that in there but like it's mostly it's it's for the music first and foremost for sure for sure <laughs> yeah all right well let's um let's get into these uh runner-ups before we can get into the album of the years this is just one big tease after tease after tease <laughs> of course you can always just fast forward but you know i, I encourage you to, to stick around for all the lead up why don't you give us your five runner-ups i listen to everything that you picked and vice versa so we're familiar with each other's picks whether we listen to them you know previously or we're just introduced to them via each other but yeah what were your uh your five runner-up albums and if you want to talk about each one i might chime in too yeah for sure um let's see starting with the first one i've got here it's by an artist uh tujiko noriko and her album crepuscule one and two i i was attracted to this one initially through i think it was like i think it was pretty much just through rate your music and um some reviews from like a few other places it was one of the first like satisfying ambient experiences uh just like sitting down with like an ambient record that I had this year with like a new ambient record. And uh, it, it just really caught my attention, like right off the bat. It's um, if, uh, of course you've heard it before, but if others haven't heard it before, it's, it's sort of, I think reminiscent of grouper, who's just an all timer for me. Absolutely love her stuff, but with more of like, I think there's a bit more of a vocal presence or at least like the vocals on this album, uh, like kind of cut through the bit cut through the mix a bit clearer so it just like adds more like like more of like a strange texture i think to uh to what she's going for uh some of them are 
closer like a bit more like instrumental and stuff but i think the those like really strange like high-pitched vocals like really um put a twist on it for me that i wasn't uh that i wasn't expecting at first but ended up really really enjoying it this is a nearly two hours um it came out on editions mego so this is like the a pretty legendary label the late peter rayberg's label i i didn't listen to the entire thing i think i got through roughly half but yeah like you're saying this is not something you hear very often sort of like ambient and atmospheric pop that's very lush and delicate and like the vocals are incredible very ghostly and alien sounding so yeah no good pick no doubt yeah i i definitely wanted to highlight this one round it out with because i don't think i had any other straight up ambient picks on here so that that seemed like a good good representation for it next one i've got is by victory over the sun uh their new album dance you monster to my soft song as i was uh listening to this album again the other day just like prepping and like taking notes and stuff I started to regret not making it a top pick um, <laughs> mm. for this episode mm-hmm. because that happens. it's something. It uh, th- This was another, I think, rate your music discovery. And I think much... Man, I feel like they all are these days for me, unfortunately. <laughs> it's a... okay, sorry to interrupt. Oh, no. But I was just like, I'm just like, oh, am I becoming too dependent on this on this website? You know? But <laughs> hey, man, it steered me right. Anyway, no, sorry to interrupt. No, absolutely. It brings up some cool shit. I think much like some of our other picks that we're going to be talking about here. It's like a very satisfying twist on black metal. Um, It's just so like, I think overall, just so like grand and epic, like the opening track alone, I think it's about like 15 or 16 minutes long. It just like sails. Yeah. I love the, the, the ambition, the, the, just those like grand feelings and stuff. The, the bass runs on the first track are really fun. I feel like that's also kind of atypical for, for black metal. They, they really do cut through um, and, give it a little extra flair one of my uh one of my favorite parts on the record that like just the first time i ever heard it like put a smile on my face right away was like the um there's like this dancey like synth based kind of switch up on i think it's the fourth track mm-hmm. madeline becoming judy um <laughs> it's uh it, it comes pretty much out of nowhere but like it's it's so fun it gives it this groovy like uh i don't know monster mash kind of feel to it I saw someone describe it as sounding almost like the killers. <laughs> I was like, that's, that's great. <laughs> yeah, and I'm totally not mad about it. on that same track too there's like one of the last sections that's like played in uh in like 15 like the time signature is i don't know what the exact is but i remember just like counting it out and just like the so i think just like the attention to like the the compositions and making them a little bit more um strange and kind of unconventional is is very very cool um the artist behind this project uh vivian i think her name is like she just takes this album in so many different directions it's it's black metal but it's not um, and it just feels almost like completely boundless. Um, very, very cool, inspiring stuff. 
Yeah, this is one one person made the bulk of this album. It's <laughs> fucking wild. Guitar, drums, vocal, synthesizer, accordion. <laughs> Can't forget the accordion. Hell yeah. I knew this album was getting some love, but I, I just hadn't checked it out. I think there's some obvious influence here from like the sort of progressive black metal of the past decade or so, but played with like kind of clean tones. There's heavy shoegaze stuff on this. There's like that jangly indie rock stuff. Like some of it at times remind me of like Black Country New Road or like the proggy parts are kind of like black midi style. So like it, it kind of fits in with like this new weirdo rock that's coming out too. But it's, I don't know. I think there's also like if you're into agriculture, I think you should check this out too. It's black metal that's can get pretty heavy, but uh, it doesn't rely on like these like grim kind of tones either. It's like a lot of the dynamics of black metal, the blasting, the tremolo picking without necessarily like those types of tones and a lot of interesting shit thrown in. But yeah, this is this album's wild. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So much to love with this one. It's a uh, it's worth the ride. Next one I've got on deck. Um, Flenser favorite for the year. Uh one you just mentioned, actually, the uh, self-titled Agriculture album. It is their debut. This was uh, one of my most anticipated releases, um, especially after what we were just talking about before. They're set at Oblivion Access. Once again, love the variations on black metal. Um, the, the album itself, it just like opens up with that like peaceful, serene, like lap slide guitar. Really just like sets the tone before before the rest of the band comes in and just kicks it into gear. Gotta love the uh, the really frantic like saxophone on uh, Look, that three-part track. But you know who's playing sax on there, right? Yeah, who's that? It's Patrick Schroeder. <laughs> no shit. Yeah. I uh, totally did not make that connection. That's wild. Um, <laughs> my guy's just, uh, my guy's killing it this year. Love it. Yep. And yeah, just like overall the, the again, the triumphant vibes. Um, it's like, it, it feels like, almost impossible not to feel like absolutely pumped after listening to this. For like, I think like the week it dropped, I was like putting it on like at least once a day, like for for close to a week. It was um, it, it was pretty addictive. I would like put it on just like getting ready in the morning. Like it's it's great for like going going on a run. Like I it it really did it for me for a while. And um, I feel like uh, I feel like some folks might say it's like a little bit 
undercooked, you know, like the album itself is kind of short clocks in at about like 30 minutes. But I think as I've like thought about that more, it, it feels like a good case of, um, of the band, like leaving folks wanting more. And clearly this is like debut album. It's like early enough in their career. Like it feels like they're going places. Um, and I really hope we get, we get more out of them soon. Yeah. I, I agree with everything you said. I don't really have much to add other than I love the uplifting melodies, major scale, like the ascending sort of movements in their music. I have joked to my friends that I, I think they're the Jeff Buckley of black metal. Um, <laughs> not that there's like that level of like crooning on the record, but just like the, a lot of the instrumentation is very, uh, uh, it's very, it reminds me of some of the, you know, sort of ascendant uh, guitar lines on like an album like Grace. I, you know, I they seem to me to be like kind of like they're the children of like liturgy and Deaf Heaven and Kralis, you know, yeah. like, and I don't know that they are, but it's just this very sublime take on extreme metal and and uh, a lot of catharsis in in, in their music. I'm, I'm super stoked for them. And these songs sound incredible live, especially that first track. That first track is like, uh, otherworldly when you hear it live with that slow intro and then goes going into the blasting just ah, love it let's see here next one i got is uh yet another metal pick we've got big brave with their new album this year uh natura mort um i don't speak french but i'm gonna assume that's how it's pronounced i originally discovered them through i think it was a couple of years ago they did a collab with the body but it totally wasn't yeah. a metal album. It was more like folk, if I'm remembering correctly. You probably know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, I remember spinning it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Body's always going to give you not what you're expecting. <laughs> like guaranteed, yeah. Um, but after that point, once I, like, once the name was, like, uh, once I was aware of, like, who they were, and I found out they were, like, a proper metal band, started getting into their stuff, and then... A little over a year ago, I saw them open for Sumac on their tour, and my oh. my uh, my buddy and I were blown away. Uh, it was just so crushing, so monumental, and that really comes across on this album. And like, from what I recall, I haven't heard every single one of their albums. I'm not like intimately familiar with their their catalog, but like from what I recall, it's not like this one doesn't feel like a huge deviation from their earlier stuff, but like something about it just like really clicked for me even more than their other stuff did this time around. Like it, it could be like maybe the bass tones or just like the, the extra scuzzy guitars on like the heavier, like distorted sections um, or just like, you know, the, the work that they've done over the course of like their, uh, their albums at this point to just create this like beautifully dark atmosphere but seeing them live was really the selling point for me. Like if you if you get the chance to, you you gotta catch them for sure. If you're a if you're a metal fan and you're into like, you know, this kind of like atmospheric like post metal with some like drone stuff going on too. Um, if that's your jam, like you'll you'll dig these guys for sure. Yeah, Sumac and Big Brave is a uh, the most earplug show I've ever heard. <laughs> like I heard of in my life. I've also seen this band live. I saw them open for Sun once. Um, on a really big stage they sounded huge and then i saw them open up for liturgy earlier this year yeah it's you know it's like one big they start playing it's just one big crashing wave basically like it it feels like it's all just one thing it's one instrument that's pushing and pulling it's a bit sparse the use of feedback is especially incredible in this band i feel like the guitarist is 
doing using feedback in a way that sounds like like what like if you see Sigaros live or if you listen to them on record, like the bowed guitar that sounds mm. like a huge wave. Like somehow the guitarist is achieving a very similar kind of swell um, effect playing chords and, and through feedback. So I, that's incredibly impressive, of course. So I did listen to this record because I, I didn't, I don't think I checked it on full after seeing them live. Um, and yeah, this is... This is definitely I got to be in the I got to be in the mood for something like this, but um, I love the physicality of it and like the the droniness of it. Absolutely, yeah, lot lots to love with this one. Uh, I hope they keep great vocalists too. Very different for this type of like drone metal kind of sounds. Yeah, yeah, that's a very integral part of it too for sure. My final runner-up pick is a band called The Hirsch Effect, effect with a K. Um, and their new album, uh, Urian. I found them back when I was in high school, actually. It was it was during a time when I would like <laughs> when I like first discovered Bandcamp and I would like go down like little genre rabbit holes where you like pick from the slider of just like, you know, post hardcore or like atmospheric black metal or something, and I would just like see where I would end up. Yep. Lots of lots of great discoveries from that time. And this was like I feel like one of the more maybe like obscure ones so these guys they uh i guess you could kind of consider them like post-hardcore they sort of they balance this like chaotic like dillinger-esque like mathcore type of stuff but with some like really awesome like melodic passages too and uh urian their new album it, it feels like kind of a natural continuation of their stuff uh maybe a bit more like refined but it's still uh still totally worth like um checking out and also going back to check out their old stuff which is what i'm like a bit more familiar with um urian's a really solid album but i'd say uh if this is your first time coming to them which like i've never met anybody who's even aware of these guys before just i could be because like they're germany-based band and i think all of their songs are in german so not not a whole lot of like cross appeal with like uh folks in the u.s but like they totally deserve it um they're very very interesting uh i started with their album i think it's from like 2012 called holon anamnesis um some lots of choice cuts on that one and it flows super well yeah this one's kind of a bit of a deeper cut i think probably like one of my deepest cuts Mm -hmm. here but i just really wanted to like highlight the band in general because i think they deserve more love than they've been getting yeah i didn't i'd never heard of this band at all like you're saying you said they're german right yeah yeah Germany is like uh, is kind of a hotbed or has been a hotbed his like in the last 30 20 30 years for this kind of like you know post metal post hardcore kind of like sophisticated I'm using quote like air quotes right now <laughs> take on like you know stuff like you know your Dillingers and the more chaotic kind of stuff so like in the you know vein of like Isis and that kind of thing but this band is like yeah this was very cool this is not a sound that I gravitate towards as much anymore but I do like when a band can pull this off live and I do like going back or can just pull this off on record and and I do like going back to some of the classic stuff here I just really have to be kind of in a mood for it I think I probably have kind of moved past some of it just for whatever reason I, I've never been able to know why it doesn't really do a whole lot for me anymore mm-hmm. other than like some of the you know, botch and converge and stuff like yeah. that. I still, I still heavy fuck with that stuff. But this was very heavy, very groovy. It reminded me of like a post hardcore take on a band like Ulcerate, if you know them. Yeah. Like atonal kind of like death metal band that's very clean but very intense. 
yeah, so this is a little polished, but not in a bad way. The clean vocals definitely give away that this band is uh, European. I don't. I thought this maybe this the the couple the track I listened to that you suggested was it sounded like it was in English, but I don't actually remember. It could have been German. But yeah, I'm I, I'm curious to hear the rest of the album. I'll say that on the track that you played, um, that last that fast riff that comes in at the end is just like so killer. <laughs> I fucking love that shit. So um, yeah, this is one. This is just one of those styles that I'm not as like super into these days. But like, I can always get pulled back in because there is a lot. There is a lot I I like about this. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that because like, uh, this isn't usually like my bread and butter butter either. Um, and I don't listen to these guys super regularly anymore. But but I was glad to hear when they finally dropped this one. And once I gave it like the first full listen, realized that they really are just going for this like, just very like incredibly varied and just um like diverse kind of like styles just all over the place really i appreciated the classical guitar intro because they've used that on some of their older tracks too that uh appeals to me a lot as someone who plays classical classical guitar and stuff so the fact that they can like veer into like the really chaotic mathy and even like kind of like death metal inspired stuff and then come right back to the clean vocals is uh i think a testament to just yeah like how how their influences are all over the place and how they can just uh kind of zig and zag all over the place it's it's really cool to see yeah i i tend to like heavy bands that jump from thing to thing in a very clean and like well-constructed way versus like the insane like mr bungle approach <laughs> who i like mr bungle because like that's just insane but like I, I i tend to get turned off if i hear like riff salad like riff every like five seconds i'm like Same. oh stop it this is hurting me stop <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i i'm stoked to get into the rest of this i definitely have this queued up for for one of my next listens Hell yeah dude all right is it time for your runner-up picks oh yeah yeah that's the five right it's so funny this is like the way we're talking about these runners up is like could just be like how we're talking about our albums oh easily year, so. yeah there's there's so much to say it's great if you were to just ask me outside of this context i would say this is my album of the year but this band and album, the band is Lankum, the album is False Lankum. They're getting, they're having a bit of a moment right now. I think they're, this album has, you know, seen seen their rise in in a way. In I think their live shows that they're playing are like bringing, they're bringing the fucking house town everywhere they're playing, mostly in Europe right now. They did have a US tour scheduled for this year and they're playing LA and I was like, I'm going to come out for that. But they ended up canceling it. They are playing Roadburn next year though. And I'm like trying, I'm trying to get my ass to Roadburn because it's just one of those things I have to do once in my life. Easily, least. yeah. Talk about a pilgrimage. That's a pilgrimage as well, for sure. And there, I think there's, there's a couple Flenser bands playing already. I know Agriculture is for sure. Agriculture and um, Uboa? Is that yeah, right? I think so. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised yeah. if there were a couple others too. So it's like, don't tempt me. I'll fucking do it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I haven't bought my ticket yet, but I'm like, I'm kind of just like, I'm like 80, 85% like trying to lock it in and just need to convince myself of that remaining 15, 20. Gotcha. This is a beautiful album. Um, I'm, like I said, I'm suppressing this in service of our mission here, but yeah, they're, they're an, a four piece group. They're Irish. Um, they're definitely steeped in like, kind of like this Irish mythology and like folk traditions, but they also have backgrounds in like experimental music and noise and even black metal. So 
I love like, you know, the human voice. I love, you know, their stirring melodies and their harmonizing. That's all very much here. But then there's also this interest in like droning instrumentation, a lot of noisy bits, a lot of cinematic soundscapes that are used to like great effects, like in terms of creating tension and atmosphere. Some of this stuff acoustically, like organically reminds me of Sinner Get Ready in terms of like that really creepy instrumentation. You hear that on the first track, totally. Go Dig My Grave. Um, but what I love most about this album is the range. They can go from like that sitter get ready style drone folk to this like stunning multi-layered harmony, like balladry. And it's just it's just like a journey from from start to finish. So very, very excited for this band in general. And I think they're also part of I've seen this in the last few years, um, especially in like the UK and like England um, in in the UK and Ireland and maybe a couple other places, a interest in taking a lot of old folk songs from way the fuck back in the day <laughs> i don't know what time period necessarily but like age-old um, folk songs and reinterpreting them in very interesting radical ways especially so there's kind of a few groups that are in this sort of cloud that that i think i'm finding very very um interesting and fascinating and I would like I would love to do an episode just on this one day but anyway were you familiar with this album Did, or was this your first listen to it yeah this was a out of all your runner-up picks this was the one that I was uh that I was familiar with previously although that's kind of a stretch because I had only heard the album once before and I for whatever reason at the time I, it just didn't click with me and I think it was probably because I just like uh, I must have been like in the middle of like doing some other stuff. I just was not fully paying attention and it kind of just like breezed mm. by somehow and didn't quite grab me. So I'm really glad you ended up highlighting it for this uh, for this episode because like it, it takes some patience, but I'm glad that I was able to devote that finally to to this project because it's the beauty really like shown through this time. The The whole thing, it just like, even though it's like, the, the, the size and, like, scope of it is, like, different than maybe some of, like, the metal albums we've been talking about and maybe we will talk about. It just, it's, the whole thing just feels, again, like, very monumental. It just, like, heaves and sways and, like, there's lots of um, change-ups that they still just, like, really take their time with. And, like, I'm glad that I could, uh, you know, give it a closer listen and really get locked into them. It, like, 
the whole thing I think just aims for this like and really pulls off this like sad kind of beauty but it's also not afraid mm-hmm. kind of as you were alluding to before it's not afraid to get like really discordant with like the strings and stuff and creating like this tense very ominous atmosphere there's quite a bit going on with this one and I'm I'm glad that I gave it the the attention that it deserved for sure um I can see what I, I can see how it's a, a strong album of the year contender for you it's probably gonna be up there on mine too yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people are, are coming along, coming around to some because this came out much earlier in the year. I think like February or March, and I still see people like I've seen people talk like chattering about it throughout the year too. Also, I'll shout them out. They recently did a, I think, a gig somewhere in Ireland where they donated all the proceeds to like Palestine, Palestine Children's Relief Fund too. So like really fucking solid values and solid people Love too. It. That Ireland, Ireland, Palestine solidarity. You can't fuck with it. Fuck yeah. Um, so. Shout outs to them for that too. The my next one was <laughs> is about as different as it can get. This was an artist called B Kool Aid. This is an album called Leather Boulevard. B Kool Aid is a project featuring uh, Auli, who is a producer, and Pink Sifu, who is a, a rapper, singer, vocalist, artist. Been very into Pink Sifu stuff for the last like five six years. This is just a, a modern take on like '90s like Soul Quarians, D'Angelo, Erica Badu style smoothness. Yeah. It blends like neo soul and like Dilla style beats and like jazz rap. And then there's like these overt, like kind of prince, like there's this overt, like prince sexiness to it, to those breathy vocals all over the record. I think D'Angelo's shadow looms large here too. And, and I'll say like, it does sound like a lost 90s gem, like to me, which is very cool. But it also sounds very of its time. Like there are a lot of like sort of like modern production choices that are mixed in here too I don't know. This is just kind of a, again, like with Lancome, I think this, there's just a slow come up of a lot of like late night, like low key, like very sexy, like R&B, rap, soul. That's been kind of like coming through in the last 10 years. I'm thinking of stuff like Salt, um, Cleo Soul, Quelle Chris, Mm -hmm. Pink Sifu stuff kind of falls into this. Fielded from Backwoods, Uh, Kea Live, like a lot of, a lot of these artists really leading the charge. Um, and it's on one hand like a nostalgic sound, but on the other hand, they're like they're definitely doing some some new and interesting things with it. I think there's also like a new generation of people who didn't grow up with like that smooth '90s shit that are hearing this for the first time and like, whoa, music can be this like fucking transcendent and dreamy and like amazing. So um, I'm just I, I think this is a great record. It's so you put it on for anyone, they're, then they're going to be loving it. But yeah, how did you get on with yeah. this? Yeah, no, I agree. There's going to be there's going to be something to dig for for just about everybody. I think the uh the the sort of through line as you were describing with um like kind of the 90 almost like the the throwback feel to the 90s like I mean that's even like really evident in just like the the cool cast of like features here cuz like mm-hmm. you mentioned Quelly Chris, he's on the album. You've also got like Brandy Brandy and Aaliyah. <laughs> yeah. I love that song. <laughs> um, for sure. You got uh Ladybug Mecca from Diggable Planets. Uh it was it was I I didn't look at the the track name like as it was playing and then I heard her voice and I was like I I fucking know that person. <laughs> that's uh mm-hmm. it took me a second and then I was like oh shit that's her. And then um 
live as well is on a few tracks i think um spelled out live dot e um oh yes cool, like yeah. yeah like soul r&b artist like she's really good too it yeah. uh yeah it just comes through on like the little like community of folks who uh who contributed to this whole thing it just yeah there's that awesome sense of togetherness and that that transcendent feel for sure um gotta love it good call on the diggable planet that's that i think that's an influence as well and yeah totally yeah yeah great record okay what do i got next powers police 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 not police okay <laughs> to be clear wrong and roland this is the last name of three of three artists um the album's called prism um this is jen powers who plays hammer dulcimer Cole Poulice, who plays alter and tenor uh, sax, um, does some signal processing and stuff. And then Matthew J. Rowland, who is the guitar player. This is a, a release on a label called Cached Media. Um, this is a label that's been going on for a couple years now. Started by Matthew Sage, who also goes by M. Sage. Um, and Cached Media is one of those labels that, like, if I get a new Bandcamp release notification from them, I'm like, making a point to check it out or like bookmark it to check out later. Um, this is my evening tea drinking, cracking open a book music. Yes. <laughs> um, which everyone should have go-to music for, for that. If the, if that is something that they do, if they're a fucking old grandpa like me or just channeling that vibe if you're, if you're a younger human, but yeah, of all, there's a lot of really good releases from cash media this year, but this was the one I came back to the most. Um, the trio refers to the sound as atomic Americana, or Appalachian trance. Um, I love made up genre names <laughs> as much as the next guy. So, and these are very apt, I think. And this music just hits a deep frequency for me. I'm reminded of the pastoral side of stuff like Popol Vuh um, at times, but it's just very sweet and like shimmery sounding music with really beautiful melodies and playing. Um, they just all, all the artists just like channel into each other like a jazz, like a, a jazz trio. And they, you know, more often than not kind of blast you into outer space. But at the same time, it's like, it's not the most cosmic thing ever. Like there's a lot of moments that just, the music just makes you want to go outside and like, you know, like barefoot in the grass, <laughs> like if that's an option. So I don't know, very, very much vibe music, but a lovely record. Um, it yeah. is. What it, you, I know that you were, you had texted me like, yesterday and saying that you were, you were really digging this I, one. I uh, absolutely agree. Vibe music to the extreme. I, uh, I, it's it's like I could barely even like form words to describe it because it just like cut right to the core for me. It, it definitely uh, definitely got me right away. Uh, that opening track, "Melted Honey," with the I think the tenor sax, so beautiful, so so good. I was mm-hmm. I was convinced pretty much right away. And I think by the time by the time we reached like the final track, which is like nineteen or twenty minutes long, I just I I was sold. I just I sank right into it and was like, I did take me away. <laughs> you guys uh you guys have won me over for sure. Um and I'm really glad that it did. Yeah, this is this is a special project. I don't know if it's a one off or if there will be more music, but it this will this is gonna appeal to people who like like cosmic, like kraut rock, like spacey stuff, and it's gonna appeal to people who like just wanna listen to some bluegrass, you know, at the same time. Sure. Like it, it channels both of those worlds and um it's just a really lovely record and every list should have a, a, a lovely record on it, you know. Absolutely. Like you and I are the are made from the the type the type <laughs> we're the type of listeners who are looking to get our fucking minds blown and head bang and like I, I'm chasing I feel like I'm chasing that so much, but then like I need a beautiful album to just lull me and like nurture me after the destruction we do to ourselves. No, absolutely. Yeah, and one that just like kind of brings you 
back down to earth in a way, but is still also, mm. as you were saying, like reminiscent of, or maybe even influenced by that, like cosmic sort of Krautrock stuff as well. Like that's, it's a good connection that's totally going on here too. So it's like, you can still get, you can still get your rocks off, like enjoying those aspects of it, but it's still just so grounding. And uh, this feels like, I don't know, a good, good musical self-care for me uh, to put it in those terms. Um <laughs> If you want more of that label cached media, I mean, just just click on a click on a random album and and give it a try. Everything in there, not everything sounds alike, but it is a lot of like really um, interesting players collaborating with one another and sort of like one big extended family. That's what it feels like Same. to me. And M Sage, like the the label founder, their music is phenomenal. They're someone who is involved in so many other projects so it's one of those intimidating things where like the artist is just just producing so much output yeah. or whatever but don't like just pick something and jump in you know like you don't gotta you don't gotta listen to it all you don't gotta like the com- you gotta like kill the completest in you a little bit sometimes to like actually enjoy <laughs> enjoy things and that's been like sort of a lesson i've had to teach myself over the over the years exactly yeah yeah can't stress about where to start because it's sounds like it's easy to find some gems in there uh pretty much anywhere you start mm-hmm. that sounds good yeah, and it's good to just find music and not read about it first. Just throw it on and like keep it keep it solely the relationship between you and the music and, and nothing right. else. Sounds good. Um, okay, this next one, I don't know exactly how to pronounce this. I did put this into it. It's a German word apparently, but I did put it into like one of those like, hey Google, how do you how do I say this in English? And like, it, I think it sounded like tre to me, but the the artist is T R H A with a I don't know, an umlaut or like two dots above yeah. A. The title, I I cannot even. These are not English characters, so I, I, I am not even going to attempt the title. The, and there's, you're just going to have to look for it in the description. <laughs> there's like an omega symbol okay. in there. It's like when, once you get to that point, it's like, what the fuck are we talking about? Like, <laughs> this is, <laughs> Yeah, this is, a I think, Chicago or just outside Chicago, uh, Illinois-based artist who is from, originally from Mexico City. And uh, the art, this is the project of uh, Damien Anton Ojeda, um, who released eight albums this year under this name. Jesus. And that's just the full lengths. There's a, probably another seven or eight splits that came out this year. And then this person has another band called Sadness, and I think other black, like metal and metal adjacent bands that uh-huh. Kate put out. So the, the output here is this is what I was talking about in the last one. Like, don't worry too much about the level of output, just pick something. And this was a late addition to my list. I just discovered this song like two or three weeks ago, and it's fucking on here. But this is some of the best lo-fi, dingy as hell sounding atmospheric black metal I've heard in a very long time. I'm a big fan of basement kind of black metal stuff like Paysage de Ivor, Kek de Rock, Black Twilight Circle, 
dark space, spectral lore, departure, chandelier, shit like that. Uh, that's I either like like the crazy black metal stuff that like we've talked a lot about on this episode already, or I like this kind. And then kind of everything else I don't care that much about anymore. I used to just like the the traditional like first and second wave stuff, and I still think it's cool, but it just doesn't do as much for me these aren't like really my two lanes but yeah give me like sloppily played riffs like casio keyboard sounding like drums <laughs> um you know synth sounds that are kind of like goofy and funny but then but then just works so well in the music and and this is just so expertly done it's three tracks um they're all really long it's this melodic black metal with really top-notch like atmospheric riffs the vocals are like this muffled like pterodactyl screech <laughs> They're just kind of there to like provide emphasis on like the best moments. I feel like that's like their ultimate like use. And then there's just these stunning passages of like very majestic, very forlorn metal that go on for several minutes and are bridged together through ambient passages. So I love when a band finds the perfect riff, the perfect like progression and just stays on it for like a good while and kind of like has those, does some small changes and in, in emphasis here and there. Like that's just regardless of genre a thing that i love what that a musician does is just write a write a groove out um, and do little cool interesting things with it and this artist i've seen i've seen them talked about a fair amount in like metal circles and i knew that their discography isn't kind of intimidating to get into i mean i'm gonna have to listen to like the rest of the stuff from this year but i just don't know when the fuck i'm gonna how, how you'll find the time exactly that's uh <laughs> yeah as soon as i uh as soon as I started digging around and discovered that this was the dude from Sadness, uh, the the connection made a lot of sense. Because, like, maybe you've heard it as well, but the the sadness abriction split that came out this year as well, I thought it was good, but it left me, like, it kind of left me wanting more of the blackened, or at least, like, black gaze kind of mm. stuff that was, like, th- that was coming through a little bit on that release, but, like, not quite to the same extent. It felt a little bit more closer to just, like, emo kind of indie rock in a lot of ways. Um is that what sad, sadness sounds like? I don't know what they sound like. There's a there's a bit of that, yeah. Um, I feel like it uh, it it tends to be a bit more, yeah, just like less of an emphasis on metal, more on like that atmospheric like indie rock stuff. But like um, hmm. this release, it finally kind of brought me there, it, like scratched that itch, which I which I appreciate. So you can see that that through line if if you've heard like the like some of the other stuff he's done uh, with the sadness project. But yeah, with this one just lots of, like i loved all the fast like pummeling black metal i definitely made this like same like connections to um Kekta rock and like spectral lore and stuff who i also super super love so this one this one was extra satisfying it uh definitely built on some other experiences with this guy's projects before that like felt a little bit lacking or just like didn't quite uh hit for me at the time so this gave me another uh another hole to dive down with uh this project um tray which i've never heard of before so yeah this one i appreciated quite a bit i just picked a random album that came out this year i think it was maybe the most recent one on spotify so i just started at a random place and then loved like fucking loved it and i've been exploring some of the other albums from this year since and i think that so far they're as strong but i keep coming back to this one because it's just it's so melodic it's so majestic I love it. I think this is a, this is just, this may be one of those bands that ends up being like really big for me, like over time, but I'm just getting my feet wet. Oh, yeah. So. Okay. And my last one is 
artist called Greg Mendez. The album is self-titled. And I love this album. Uh, I, I don't mean this in a disparaging way at all, but there's kind of nothing to it. <laughs> like it's super simple guitar-based pop rock, I guess, with really minimal arrangements. It's, you know, I'd say in the vein of your Elliot Smith's Alex G vibes too. But this is like my pop music. This is very timeless stuff. You want to sing along to it. You want to pick up a guitar. Like this kind of stuff makes me want to pick up my guitar, which I don't do as often as I should. And kind of like sound out the chords and sound out the melody. Like it's that kind of thing. It's just like, oh, that's such a good fucking easy, simple, but like genius song. Like how do you do that? How do you do this super simple, amazing, timeless thing? It's fucking hard. You know, it's gorgeous music, but it's very sad. It's coming from, I think, a damaged place. And that's just how I like, kind of like my pop music. So, you know, unfortunately, you know, Carly Rae Jepsen's or Charlie XCX. I don't know why that that doesn't do it for me. I don't want to dance. I want to I want to sit alone um, and not be able to get the song out of my head while I contemplate what the fuck I'm doing with my life. <laughs> and stuff like Greg Mendez, the Janines, Azure, Alex G. I think even like Have a Nice Life, although it's a little more extreme. Um, but like when you when you kind of boil down some have a nice life songs, they're just kind of like you could pick up an acoustic guitar and just play it out. Right? Oh, yeah. Like they, there's that core, like pop beauty of like songwriting that comes in here. So yeah, that that's, that's why I love this album. And uh, I still, I still listen to this and it's like, I think like a 20 minute album, which makes, makes it even better. Love, love a fucking 20 minute <laughs> album. I do. Yeah. I think the, the length and the, uh, as you were saying, just like the that, that approach to songwriting and just how like direct it feels in that way. And like also, yeah, just like super inspirational for if you even play guitar at all and are able to like do it alongside it. That's uh, really lends it to it. It's um, it's so short and sweet, really cozy, even though, like you said, like lyrically, it's coming from a pretty, pretty tough place. Um, I feel like the uh, I feel like the religious imagery and I think that's kind of like emphasized even with like that organ like sort of intro on the first mm. track like mm-hmm. <laughs> kind of made me think this dude was like raised Catholic or something and it's like still working through all the like guilt and shame and stuff which is valid yeah. um maybe some like tough breakups in the mix too which like hey I, I get it man <laughs> like <laughs> this guy's working on himself yeah and some doing his su- best. substance abuse is it in there too like yeah i think i think you're hitting on all the all the themes for sure yeah so i uh i imagine for for a lot of folks who like share kind of those experiences or at least you know i've known something similar like that's gotta that's gonna mean a lot and you can get like a pretty pretty easy dose of it with a super short runtime too it's um yeah it hits home very quickly i imagine yeah, I was going through some hard shit in my life when this album came out. So I don't know if this has happened for US where like it's it's very comfort it's very comforting music in that moment, but then once you're past the worst of it later on in life, revisiting this album brings the hard stuff back. So I mean I remember revisiting this like a couple months ago because I had the tape and I'm like, God, I love this album so much. I think I I had ordered the tape and it came in and I threw it on and I was like five seconds in the first song and i was like nope 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 <laughs> i am actually in pain <laughs> in the, in recent weeks i've been able to go back to it and be like ah oh, beautiful love this album still something there lingering but like it's not i'm not breaking yeah. down as a result of it and i i think if you have that kind of relationship with a record which can just be like happenstance i don't even think it necessarily needs to be this type of music like where music gets connected 
you know, consciously, subconsciously to a moment, those can become very special records. Maybe ones you don't visit as much, but like it's kind of their emotional resonance may launch the record into like a deeper place where it's not just really about the music anymore. It's about something else attached to it. So that was this kind of thing. I don't know if I assume a lot of other people who are music people and just going through the ups and downs of life, like this is a very universal thing I'm talking oh, about. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it, it's totally, yeah, out of your control sometimes where, yeah, you, you want to love it. And like maybe for a certain amount of time you connect with it and then you just got to like set it aside and be like, I can't put myself through this right now. Um, yeah. But this, th- this one does feel like a very prime example of just like very darkly comforting in the way that maybe, yeah, as you said before, like Elliot Smith or maybe like a silver Jews record could be like, kind of like, Oh yeah. Like totally. warm and cozy in some ways, but still really tough to like, uh, to sit with sometimes. Yeah. Kind of, kind of takes on both of those aspects and makes it a really interesting one. Absolutely. Yeah. Silver Jews. Let's save that for a little bit later. I've got a comparison to make there, which takes us into our actual albums of the year. So those are, those are the runners up. Um, I know we spent a fair amount of time just leading up to the main event, but promise it's worth it. Right, so my first main album pick here uh, is by a band called Sluice, S-L-U-I-C-E. Album's called Radial Gate. These guys, uh, so they're from Durham, North Carolina, uh, but I think they kind of hang in kind of the same like milieu as like uh, a lot of like the bands coming out of Asheville. Um, so like Wednesday, who I think we mentioned before, uh, I think they've toured with Angel Olsen. So like. Mm-hmm kind of hanging around i think they share members with some of the some of the folks in those groups too so there's a lot of mj linderman too. maybe yeah yeah so who's a member of wednesday yeah yeah so like um yeah there's a lot of a lot of cool friends from that kind of corner of the world coming together so i got into these guys originally because uh, they were an opener for indigo de souza when she came to town so yet another Asheville act and like the day of the show, I was just like kind of cleaning up like around my place. And I looked at the event info, saw that they were on the bill, never heard of them before. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just like put this album on real quick. It's like 25 minutes. Like I can give it a spin, see what they're all about. And like midway through uh, the second track, Centurion, uh, it just like I-, I froze up. I was like, oh, I just have to like lay down for a while and just (laughs) sink into this record and it really did just like captivate me it was a very very like blissful experience like nothing short of that i was uh i I was really blown away um pretty much from the first listen which um i feel like hadn't uh up until that point anyway because this would have been like april or may yeah it was like may of this year like there there hadn't been a record like at least like a hidden gem record that it likes that had taken me by surprise like that but this one really really did i think as we were going back and forth prepping for this uh this whole thing uh you you mentioned digging this album too right oh yeah yeah big time when i first heard this i was like oh this is like kind of a smog bill callahan 
kind of vibe. You mentioned Silver Jews earlier, certainly certainly within that realm. Like, this singer has like this kind of deadpan, like talk singy style, but can also sing like, you know, melodically and really, really well. And then you'll get these like harmonies happening in the chorus. But I, I, I was thinking like, I was like, oh, Smog, Bill Callahan. And then I hear the lyrics, I am a cartoon Callahan. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, there's some like self-awareness and humor here. I'm it pretty is. sure. So I love that. No, hell yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I appreciate the, that, that like use of humor and also just like other sorts of like, um, I don't know, there's like thematically, it feels like the, the whole album just kind of touches on lots of like, um, things that could be like talked about in a much like bigger, more ambitious context. Um, you know, just like the natural world, like there's clearly a lot of like reverence and kind of respect for it, but like it's done in such a like approachable way that like, um, it, it just feels super like accessible and like easy to get into and like just taps into some very like universal feelings there of just like, yeah, just like getting in touch with like the world around you, especially after a time, maybe for like a lot of folks, like, during the pandemic and stuff when it was easy to just like stay indoors all the time and like kind of get a little out of touch and like disconnected from that sort of thing. Not to mention just like the, I think the value of like friendship is another big thing going on here. And again, it's just such a, like, that's something everybody can connect to. It's so inviting. It's so approachable. I'd say like beyond like the, the obvious, like Bill Callahan reference there, uh, it kind of reminded me of, florist if you've listened to their stuff much um kind of in the vein of that like uh, especially in like the gentler sections um and kind of like the ambient-esque kind of synth that sort of creep up um i think it does that on Mm -hmm. like centurion also on like fourth of july which was easily one of the best tracks on here very warm and cozy bringing those vibes back once again i think with the lyrical focuses and sort of again like that direct like plain spoken approach to the vocals and maybe some of the imagery like the especially like the natural sort of imagery it kind of reminds me of like phil's stuff like with mount erie a little bit um there's kind of that going on and uh i think i made this connection when i when i saw them live too uh have you have you heard of a band called caroline based in the uk before love caroline i love that i love their debut album i i don't know anybody else who knows them and i feel like they deserve a lot more love but i got a little bit of like even though they're a little different like stylistically for sure like i think the uh the sort of again just the the warmth and the sense of connection and like camaraderie that's going on in this record is a little reminiscent of like what caroline are going for so like yeah i i really do appreciate how this album this teeny tiny little album like doesn't try to be anything like too grand or ambitious but like that's kind of the point like it's just uh it's it's very very down to earth but but still wants to just like you know just take in the whole breadth of like the experience of just like being alive and stuff it's probably like i don't know like i we talked about some heavy hitters earlier like that would probably make like my top 10 or 20 list or whatever but this one might be like my favorite like hidden gem release of the year i think it's it's an easy contender for that it wasn't until i listened to the full album through that i was like oh this is this is so great this is totally my kind of thing. I think I love when, you know, kind of like rootsier folksy music is, you know, that everyday sort of, you know, malaise to it. But it, like you're saying, like what you're saying is very astute, like in terms of the, 
it's not trying to be too grand about nature or the human condition or anything like that. And I think this is something you get from, you know, Wednesday's music, like especially on the folksier stuff or MJ Lenderman's like stuff where he's being really funny and like kind of cute and like, and, and it, it clever in the way like your friends or your, your best buds are clever, you know, and that you love and that you pull away from like, you know, having great conversations with them, not even necessarily about deep shit. So this hit me in the, in the right light. Like I, I'm really, I'm very picky when it comes to like, broadly speaking, like Americana or like rootsy or folksy or like country lane stuff. I love that kind of music, but I'm so, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a certain thing. And it doesn't have to be this thing too, because on the other hand, like I love the super serious and devastating stuff like Songs of Ohio mm-hmm. and the first couple Sun Kill Moon albums. I mean, Centromatic, Will Oldham stuff like that stuff's, it's in this realm of folksiness in Americana, but it's devastatingly emotional. I love that vibe, but like this, this reminds me of something like Michael Hurley, you know? Yeah, this is just a great, again, like the power of a great, a beautiful, short little album that's like 20, 25 minutes. I'll listen to something like, like a perfect record that's like seven, eight songs and on that like length. I'll listen to an album like that 10 times more than I listen to the epic one hour, one and a half hour, two hour thing where I got to like really prepare myself. I got to be in the mood. And if I, I feel incomplete if I don't finish it, you know right, what I mean? Right. So yeah, I, 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 I loved this album. I think of honestly of the four picks that you did for your albums of the year, this is the one that resonated with me the most, despite really being a fan of like everything that you sent me. I've resonated in oh. some way. This is like, the album I'm pulling from your list. Hell yeah, sure. dude. Yeah, I'm glad to hit that that sweet spot for you. And yeah, to your point about like uh, just the cleverness as well. Like w- when when an album ends, like with the final set of lyrics are just like framing some dialogue of like a bunch of friends just like floating down the river and one of them's like, hey, can you pass me a beer? Oh no, it fell in the river. Hey man, that's all right. Like that's just like how the record goes out. It's like <laughs> so clearly like, you know, again, it's like the humor. It's like a little tongue in cheek, but it's not like a it's totally not like a throwaway like goofy kind of thing and like makes it very clear that like there's a there's some intention behind it and just like across like the record as well but there's no like it never feels like it's um being too like it's not over intellectualizing anything especially like with these subjects that Mm -hmm. do lend themselves to being uh thought about in super big dramatic terms and stuff like this one's just uh way way easy to get into um i i can't recommend it enough honestly so i'm glad it glad it did the trick for you i also it's it's a very hooky and memorable album without having these like grand big choruses or like you know it's very the in the instrumentation is very understated like the, the parts where there's pedal steel and like these folk like it's never that hits you with like this big hey this is like a folk album we're gonna do some like southern bluegrass thing now like it's not like that it's really just this understated thing and it just makes me want to move to Asheville or like go visit and be like y'all are living a good life out here right like yeah (laughs) I mean I know that there's there's darkness everywhere and there's there's even that within the threads of this of this album as well but they're never lingering on a particular set like set lightness or darkness it's never like lingering on anything and instead existing in this like middle that is just so much more so much more relatable to like just you know daily life and the things that we think about so yeah it really hits that middle ground of just like everyday philosophizing about shit and just you know drinking beers exactly yeah super refreshing especially compared to yeah some of those 
other examples you mentioned where it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't have to be listening to songs Ohio all the time and being like in the pits of like depression. Like it's, there's a place for that, obviously. Like, you know, most folks go through that, but like this one, uh, this one occupies an, a totally different space that is very, very refreshing, very satisfying. All right. Yeah. Let's <clears throat> listen to a bit of 4th of July from what is it? I'm seeing Sluice, but that's I think not it's it, just right? Sluice. I think that's how they pronounced it. Yeah. Sluice. Yeah. Okay, Sluice, yeah. With a very uh, black metal sounding album. Radio Gate, that sounds like a black metal album. <laughs> it totally does. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the cover, too, almost looks like... Uh, I mean, despite like the very like bright like uh, tone, tones and stuff, it could very much be like um, one of those like super dramatic... I don't know why I'm thinking of these, but like those like Lord of the Rings-inspired like metal bands, you know what I'm talking about, mm. with like the big, vast like mm-hmm. uh, structures and yeah. landscapes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Very thankful it's neither of those things. This thing is uh, perfect as is. So, yeah, let's listen to a little bit of Fourth of July. Phone and keys are in my sneaker. Behind a pine, I am a streaker. My friends are smiling underwater. I jump the bank, a lanky otter. I am looking at water, hitting. And I am the rock I am the eddy I am my roommates in love I am blackberry jelly I am the weir I am the spillway We are singing Drinking at the dam, I'm a cartoon, Callahan, I am the man. Getting struck by lightning. Huddled under the tire, sculptor's tarp We are laughing and breathing hard My knee is bloody from scrambling out The rain finally quit And we all split an elephant ear And I went and talked to you for the first time In at least a year July. 
man, I am fucking changing the vibe <laughs> right now. But to be honest, whatever preceded Sprain was likely to uh, have a total reset <laughs> of the energy. So this is the Lama's Effigy. We've talked a little bit about Sprain already. Yeah, uh, I was very, very hyped for this album, having seen Sprain live a couple times prior to its release. Every time I saw them, they were playing stuff off of this record. And I didn't recognize anything off of their um, previous full length or the EP, the debut EP. Um, so they were clearly like testing this material out and playing it live. So I think I went into seeing Sprain live for the first time a couple years ago, thinking I would hear stuff from uh, At Lost Through Collision. And I got none of that. And instead, I got this other monstrosity <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that we have here. And I was all the more mindfucked for it. So... We probably have uh, quite a few things to say here, but I, 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 maybe I'll kick it off to you. What, um, what were you thinking going into this brain record? Like, were you familiar with like the previous stuff? Uh, I was, yeah. I, uh, I think pretty much all the way up to um, even before their previous album, uh, as Lost Through Collision came out, I, I'd been spinning the, the self-titled EP, the that, True Norwegian. Yes. Oh my god. Or no, is that the name of the song? That's not the name. I think it's just a self-titled EP, but yeah, that's the first track. Um, just, okay. <laughs> um, despite how like dark the lyrics get, it's a uh, perfect like perfect gentle like winter time, like snow gently falling outside your window. At least for me here in Michigan, you know, <laughs> it's a uh, perfectly uh, sets the mood for that. Um, I, w- I was spinning it quite a bit. Then the then the changeup came with their next album, which is much more like kind of angular sort of noise rock stuff but still very like restrained in some ways and kind of atmospheric and like i was also going into their uh their set at oblivion access thinking like oh i'm probably gonna hear some of the old stuff like that'll be kind of fun i guess and then sure as hell didn't (laughs) we got we got the uh the prelude the uh um just kind of the 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 preview i guess of uh what the lama's effigy would be which is a completely other beast of its own it's um another very highly anticipated uh release for me because i think it was like the day after the festival they dropped the first single man proposes god disposes because i i definitely listened to it like on the way to work um like once i got back and was just like oh oh fuck yes the (laughs) these guys they've got it figured out this is gonna be good as hell and like now that it's here and i've heard it a number of times like i it's probably my favorite album of the year he said with so much confidence um (laughs) even though i'm like i'm still i'm still kind of like baffled by it like it shouldn't be i shouldn't love this so much but like i i really kind of do it's hard to it's hard to describe you know what i mean yeah it's the it's the confrontation that's built into the the record even if you don't understand it on like a conceptual level which i do not i just haven't examined it on that level slash i don't even know if i have the wherewithal and (laughs) like investigative abilities to catch what's happening here so everything is sonics for me everything is you know catching it live um taking all that in but yeah i i mean i knew this i knew that this album was going to take their sound to another level and you know they seem like one of these groups that levels up their sound in such dramatic ways like with every release i mean there's only an ep and a and a full length before this but you can observe that happening you can observe the leaps i always love those types of groups that are just so 
bold, so willing to go to the next place. They strike me as groups that just get really put something out, get kind of tired of it, or like we did that and it's time to move on, move on to the next thing and explore. But I I don't know that anything could have prepared us for, for what Sprain pulls off here. I think if you read about this album and see some of like the rate your music lore and stuff like that, everybody's just the constant, the constant thing. Everyone's just like, what the fuck is this? You know, and and so it's a full band, right? But the primary vocalist, I think, you know, one of the primary songwriters, maybe not, maybe the primary songwriter, I'm not quite sure, Alex Kent is, you can't divorce Alex from this record. <laughs> no. It feels a little like, um, tortured feels like appropriate here, even though it's kind of like redundant just compared to, because, you know, you and I are both like metalheads and stuff. Like we, we, we know that vocal approach, but this is just like, something about it is so... I think you said before like confrontational and so like I think in particular like what makes this well the vocal approach but just like the whole album as well like what makes it stand out from maybe like some of the stuff it's being like compared to like swans for example is like it's so it feels so like actively in revolt against itself there's even like references to it in the in the lyrics and stuff like this song has no reason to exist or whatever like there's something about it that just feels like the musical embodiment of like self-loathing. And that's like really, it, it's really yes. tough to hear like Alex and, you know, probably the the other musicians as well, like, you know, being a part of it too, just like kind of putting themselves through that and also like uncomfortable on the listener's end. If you know what those feelings are like, like that's gotta be tough to just be like, Oh, like to hear a little bit of yourself in sprain is like, Oh God, like what's, <laughs> what's going on with me like why am i connecting to this oh no <laughs> like we're witnessing something we should that should be happening in private like a self <laughs> like a self annihilation or something like that and it's not you're right at first i was like gonna say nihilistic but it's not like for the birthday party or like you know the stuff the modern stuff it gets compared to i think is like daughters and maybe Shoo Shoo, maybe in the vocal direction, Jamie Stewart, you know, has that like whimpering kind of thing. Didn't invent it, of course, but it's it's hard not to like cross-reference, just regardless of whether it's an influence or not. No idea. But you're right. This is like a a self-annihilation. It's meta, I suppose, in the sense of like, what what am I doing? What are we doing? Absurdity, you know, like even if you don't understand, like I don't get this album conceptually at all, but like even that, that comes through. And of course, those emotions... And feelings are accentuated through the music too. Like it's, the music's orchestrated. This is an opus, mm-hmm. um, and the way this album moves. I mean, it's fucking long. This is an hour and thirty six minutes at eight tracks. So you got two, you got like two twenty five minute tracks, I think, mm-hmm. right? Several like 10, 11 minute tracks and some some kind of shorter ones too. I don't know. This album just feels like it was born in like vitriol <laughs> or contention, and the the band has since broken up. Like. Mm-hmm too so i don't know it's hard not to like you think contention too and and disarray when you when you hear that a a band you know splits up but i'm not saying they didn't have a good reason to i don't know the reason but at like the peak like this album is getting ingested and and loved in a way that like i think that daughter's album from a couple years ago i mean let's let's acknowledge the fucking how fucked the the vocalist yeah. um, is and don't fucking give that motherfucker a dime. But like, I remember when that album came out, there was this, there was this like fervor around it. Like, Oh, and then there's just like, it, it feels like 
really noisy, unsettling rock records are just have so much more purchase and and like acceptability and like it's not just for like the small it's not just for like the freaks anymore well like maybe it is but there's maybe there's just more freaks out there now <laughs> yeah the 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 scope of you know what yeah I'm trying to say? the scope of like yeah. freakishness or who fits into that category is is expanding a bit maybe uh because i don't know like it's tough to be a person right now <laughs> it's a uniquely terrible time so yes. i think we all just gotta like embrace some of the yeah just like kind of make sense of what's going on and like maybe get in touch with some of the darkness within us too and like that's clearly what happened on yeah on that final daughter's album and also here most certainly um and like yeah maybe maybe one day i'll understand what's going on conceptually with this record i i sometimes i'll feel like i'm piecing it together and then i just don't i (laughs) by the end of it i'm just baffled again but like uh it, it certainly does come through on maybe just like you know speaking like sonically on like some of the the noisy sections on i want to say privilege of being and especially Mm -hmm. on uh there's one section in particular maybe you know the one i'm talking about it's on the final track uh god or whatever you call it that creeps up it's like there it, it i think it's like silent for a little bit and then all of a sudden it just like expands this like this crazy sort of like howling it almost feels like the howls of the damned just out of nowhere and the first time i heard it my my hackles were up like hairs raised i was like oh my god (laughs) the freakiest shit i'd heard in a long time i'm like how how did they do this how did they pull it off i'm still yeah still asking myself Yeah, the finale of that song is pretty uncomfortable and jarring, Ooh. too. I like to look at, at Bandcamp, obviously, and rate your music reviews when I'm like doing these, because sometimes people will say stuff that I'm not trying to steal what they're saying. I, I usually I will always like be like, this is this is someone else's yeah. thoughts. But yeah, there was one Bandcamp review which just simply said three words. It said, good Lord, man. And I'm like, that's. <laughs> That's better than anything else you could fucking say about this record, to be honest. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Something that leaves you so speechless. It's like, what else can you? What else can you say? Another thing I really love about this album that maybe I haven't seen a lot of other people talk too much about because it is easy to focus on Alex and the theatrics and the you know the jumping around is like they're pushing guitars to the fucking extreme on this album, and when you see them live and you see almost like this orchestration of like noise like sections between the two guitarists and like the drums and the bass like it's 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 very much it reminds me of swan's live in a sense where michael will be sort of like using his hands and gestures to like be like uh like tornado in this like here's the fucking noisy whirlwind part and then like stop as soon as i like put my hand down so yes exactly it's just this you know there's a bit of that and i'm not saying it's they're jacking it I don't know what the relation is between the two, but it's hard not to 
see it, see it similarly sure. in that way. I think, you know, one thing they've dropped a lot of on this record is like the slow core kind of sounds like are not are kind of pretty much all completely gone at this point. And there and it is things are a lot more grand and hypnotic. And I think you hear that on privilege of being uh, privilege of being in margin for error. But for me, like, I don't know, you tell me, Wes, like the the center of this album that I think is the most phenomenal and like knocks me on my ass is the commercial nude and the reclining nude. I think that those two tracks that is like the apex of the album for me. It's like everything I love about bands like the drones and like later Scott Walker and the more like uh, orchestrated parts of swans and like no wave music too, but just, just filtered into this. I don't know. They're like piano led like songs. Like, but I think both of them are, and they contain real mo I think they contain the most moments of like actual beauty within this record. So I don't know, like, sequentially in this album's voyage like what emotionally is happening within these two tracks but it feels it feels significant it feels like a little bit of like a a slowdown and i love and i love that they do that because they're pushing extremities throughout so much of the rest yeah of this no i agree um it uh honestly when it comes to those two tracks um the commercial nude and the reclining nude on my first at least couple of listens it took me a little bit of time to to connect with them i i think it was honestly just because I was so exhausted by the first half of the album that I just like, I, I, my stamina was so low by that point that I was just like, what the, I, we have like almost an hour left. Like, what are we doing? <laughs> or at least like 45 minutes or some shit um, that I just like mm-hmm. couldn't quite, like didn't have the wherewithal at the time to, uh, to connect with them. But I think over time that beauty, as you put it, really does come through the more piano led stuff and the way that like, um, I think it was the, the reclining nude that you that you highlighted um just kind of on like a playlist we were using to prep for this and like that became clear to me too like the the build-up as well but then it kind of drops off afterward like it's um feel, it feels like it contains like a lot of the elements that are just like essential to how the whole album works um but you're getting it in mm-hmm. not quite as much time it's it's not quite as much of a commitment as the two really beefy 25 minute tracks are and like um the reprieve that you get from both of them feels of course very intentional on their end like compositionally and also just like very i think necessary for the listener like before uh before you get into the final two tracks which um really just ring out the last of uh all of your um (laughs) all of your endurance and Mm -hmm. and uh patience with it it just like really yeah takes it so far beyond them so i think uh yeah i think those tracks definitely do have their place even though it took me a minute to to feel them out i guess yeah and uh you know i would just kind of just wrap things by saying i don't know that I, this really belongs on overlooked albums i mean sure in like the grand scheme of music like of 2023 and albums like yes it's going to be overlooked but i am seeing love for this album um i think it's been reviewed by some pretty prominent like content people whether you lo- love them or hate them been reviewed positively it's got like the rate your music fucking bump thing that happens yeah. obviously as well and i think on like Bandcamp and in terms of the flenzer world i think this is like a it has been a much much uh, loved album too i hope that they do music in other capacities that would be sick um, but until then i will wait for my next bout of catharsis from the hopefully uh 2024 elizabeth oh Hitler so album. true because I do see them as like spiritual cousins in a way. They kind of do not the same thing at all, but like they just belong together. You know, they feel cut cut right. from the same. Coming coming from similar 
rough places, um, but creating some amazing music out of out of that darkness. Um, yeah, this is a this is this is an opus, like you said. It's uh, it's another one for the freaks. Um, I, I know y'all are out there. Got to got to be loving this one, like we are for sure. Yeah, this is good Lord Man Core. <laughs> That's what I'm gonna call it. All right, um, why don't you kick it off to the? Oh, well, let's do a track. Um, I I don't know which one I'm gonna do, so it's gonna be one of the nudes, either the commercial or the reclining. I'll find a a nice a nice little a little section that shows you a little bit of what we're talking about here. But yeah, let's listen to a little bit of spring. So my next pick is from Fire Orchestra and their new album Echoes. These guys, I feel like I feel like they've they've gotten some love, although maybe from like a limited number of people. Like I don't hear a whole lot of other folks talking about them, but uh, but of course my man Jamil knows what's up. Knew these guys for sure. Um, so another one for the freaks and the nerds. These guys are based in Sweden. I I don't remember how I got into them, but I'm just I'm glad that I did. I think the uh, the mastermind behind this project uh, is Mats Gustafsson, but um, yeah, he. Uh, I think this was originally a project. They were just called Fire with an exclamation point, and then they, over time, kind of expanded into Fire Orchestra as 
kind of the 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 roster of members increased and now i don't know what it was like on previous albums but on this one echoes there's like apparently over 40 people who contributed to this which is (laughs) pretty insane quite a crowd my first exposure to these guys so they're kind of like very much like you know big band but like with a very like experimental twist definitely some like chaotic um sort of free jazzy kind of stuff going on i i first got into them through arrival which came out in 2019 i think and i think compared to i haven't heard all of their albums but i think compared to what i've heard it has it's a bit more like pared back a little bit more kind of restrained a little bit more precise with what it's going for and i think i appreciate it i think it was like at least for me like a pretty good entry into uh thinking about um or are you saying Arrival is are, is these things compared to this one, or this one is compared uh, to Arrival? Arrival it was a, a good entry point for me, I would say. Um, definitely more, yeah, a bit more pared back, and I, I think, that, yeah, gotcha. I think that made it like an easier, a little bit more accessible kind of experience, um, especially with just how like beautiful some of those tracks are. Blue Crystal Fire, oh my god, love that one. But with, uh, with Echoes, they... It seems like they return to this like big, bold, chaotic sound that they go for on uh, another album I've heard of theirs is Exit. That one's also very, very good. But here they do also still manage to exercise a bit of that restraint and control over the buildups, especially on the longer tracks, um, all the ones that are preceded by Echoes. Uh, there's a bunch of those easily surpasses like 10 minutes each. Um, and then there's like some shorter kind of weirder tracks like kind of deviate into different styles kind of in between those but like the the main highlights are the tracks that are uh that are called echoes and then something else after that but this is another much like that sprain album yet another beefy one this one clocks in at almost two hours so it uh it it demands your time but it's it's uh, it's pretty rewarding i gotta say how about you what's your take on fire orchestra yeah so my my experience with them is I am a fan of the first two albums, Exit and Enter. Um, I've never heard Fire, so I don't know what the trio sounds like. I think I learned about this band from Rate Your Music Yearly Charts because they, if they put out a record, they're typically in like the top 50, top 100. So it's just one of those groups that I think has a pretty cult kind of like devotional fan base. Yeah, like you said, they're listed as experimental big band on Rate Your Music, which honestly, like if I think about my experiences with big band and like some early jazz that's in that realm, it is not a style of music that I I, I am into. Like I love jazz. I love spiritual jazz. I like some free jazz, the stuff where uh, that I I can that I can take (laughs) and and a lot of the classic stuff, of course. But I think like when I hear big band stuff in like the the progenitors and the the old school stuff, uh, it typically doesn't do much for me, but this group is so adventurous. They're part of the greater avant-garde and progressive jazz scene in Sweden, Norway, which is like very much a hotbed of forward-thinking jazz music and not just recently, like going yeah. back. Like, it's so funny to think of the widest place on earth, Scandinavia. <laughs> it's like this like hotbed of like progressive like avant-garde like jazz jazz music but it like has been for a long time so like they're in that they're in that lineage and like you said i think matt gustafsson is pretty legendary in this world 
I don't know, like, I don't know a whole lot of other artists that come out of this scene, and I don't know where Fire Orchestra necessarily falls in terms of, like, you know, popularity or, like, um, how known they are, but, you know, it's jazz, like, everyone's collaborating with everyone else, you know, it's kind of, like, more player focused than it is, like, like a discography of an artist or something, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think uh, another sort of connection or something that's like really that I'm hoping to get more into over time. I think this might be one of my next like label deep dives is uh, Rune Gramophone, which is what this one came out on. Uh, mm. I ha- I feel like I haven't heard too many other releases. Isn't it like a cl- primarily like a classical music label? It could be. Could be wrong. Uh, I I feel like what I've heard out of them has been a little bit more on like the the weirder side. Although that could also be going on there. I know that um, Super Silent. If you've heard them before. I think they're yes, yes, that's, they're I, they're fantastic. I yeah. think their stuff also comes out on Rune Gramophone. Super Silent Seven, that's a hell of a fucking oh, so album. So good. I uh, so yeah, definitely has that uh, that orientation toward like yeah, the avant garde jazz kind of stuff. But but I'm I'm with you. Like this uh, this approach, the big band approach, not usually my cup of tea. Like I I can get down with like a very challenging, even like overwhelming experience. But like it's usually not the first thing i opt for at least not in this context but but it really works for me like i said i was i was hooked with arrival and then ever since then like i've just noticed mm-hmm. all of their other releases tend to be a bit more wacky wild out of control um at least in certain areas and like this one this one feels like a good synthesis uh, of those approaches it feels like echoes has like obviously enough of a runtime to really like play around with so many different um styles and approaches um and uh, even has some fun contributors. I think I, I think I just learned the other day that like the drummer for Refused is guests on one of these tracks, and that's oh. kind of fun. <laughs> it's like, hey, what's up? That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> well, he's got like on the on he's got on the Refused albums. He's got those jazzy oh, yeah. parts, right? Like he's got the the interludes and stuff where he's hitting like he's doing like the cymbal ride, like jazzy cymbal yeah. rides, and, shit and that like upright that. bass so comes in. Makes, yeah, yeah, makes a lot of sense. So you, you can see the through line for sure. Yeah, yeah I. Uh, this is another one that leaves me kind of just like lost for words, honestly, because <laughs> there's just so much to there's so much you could talk about. But but again, like I just uh, I think kind of like as you were saying, um, as you were describing like the Sprain album, like I just uh, so much of it is just um, related directly to what I'm hearing that like I, I usually just like fail to have anything else to say. It's just an experience you got to mm-hmm. have if this kind of thing is uh, is interesting for you, for sure. I mean, I think what's really strong about this is that it's progressive, but it's not, and it's like noisy in times and chaotic. I mean, fucking normies could experience this album and be super into it. Like it is, it is beautiful in a lot of ways. And the the tracks are massive sounding. I also like, I'm not, I'm not someone who has like, jazz is really only like a style of music that has, that I've become more interested in over the last like 10 or 15 years. So I every year I got to have a, a handful of like jazz jazz records and it doesn't matter where within jazz that they live but like it is just a color and a shade and a, and a sound of music that I that I crave like if I go too long without hearing like a powerful jazz album like something feels missing this is this is my kind of thing for sure I mean I think like I was saying before like I'm almost saying this for everything we're covering but like jazz in the last 15 years has certainly taken on some uh, a renaissance with younger artists who are really pushing some boundaries and paying tribute to some of the old stuff that 
didn't get lost to time, but just like stayed with just like the jazz, the jazz heads and never like left those like circles. Right. Like one of the ultimately nerdiest forms of music nerd that exists is the jazz guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I've got, I can't hang with the jazz guy no, for no, one no, fucking no. second. I don't know that even know that I want to necessarily, but <laughs> this is, this is perfect. I mean, this all, also, this album was mixed by a uh, Jim O'Rourke, uh, oh, Sonic no shit. fame who is a very much a fixture in in jazz and experimental and avant-garde worlds so that wasn't surprising but this is just like it's very cinematic too it's very orchestrated it reminds me um of at times it reminds me of early and mid-70s era alice coltrane so like records like lord of lords and world galaxy these were these were albums where alice was um her classical influences were coming into the fold so you have these like swelling strings that are coming in that are very prominent in the music and moving moving the music um, versus like the harp playing. But of course, there's a lot going on here. I mean, like later on in the record, there's like all this, this sort of like ecstatic minimalism and like North African Gnawan yeah. music that is being played, which brings to mind, like if you know Joshua Abrams, National Information Society, like that's been sort of a long ongoing project the last 20 years that is very exciting within jazz. You got like Shabaka mm-hmm. Hutchings is like a huge force in, in jazz. Just recently retired from playing sax. I just always need an album like this, like in my yearly listening. And I think for whatever reason, I avoided this fireworks album until you put it on the list. And I'm like, holy shit, I've already listened to this thing two <laughs> times through since you yeah. put it on the list. I love Now's it. That's the time. Man, for for somebody who who claims to not be a jazz head, you, you kind of come across like a jazz head. No judgment, but like... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great no i mean that's i just like i just know what For i sure. like and it's it's a drop in the it's drop in the bucket like if you start like talking to me about like player like who's playing on this album who's playing on that album what are like the classics of like the 50s what fuck is bebop i'm like i don't dude i don't know what the fuck you're talking about you're talking to the wrong person you tell me i'm like here to learn yeah exactly no i i i, I totally get that though like that i feel like that speaks to my own like musical experience a lot where it's like it's not certainly not like the the main thing i go for but there is something like uniquely nourishing in a way about like a really satisfying Mm. jazz album Uh, especially something as you were alluding to like in more recent years more contemporary that's like paying homage but also like pushing things forward a bit and like incorporating new elements and stuff which like here's a prime example of something that's just like blending so many different styles together across like a, a a hefty runtime that like you know it ends up being satisfying uh just like inevitably satisfying honestly with just how much it's trying to do and i uh i super super appreciate that there's a there's a lot to get into with this one but another one that's that's very much worth the worth the experience yeah i think your nourishing is is the perfect term there's a certain emotional quality you get from deep jazz that i don't know i don't get it from anything else so is there a particular track you want to feature or um we can just throw something in um, when you when you get that sort of I think uh, I think the one I highlighted in our notes was uh, Echoes a Lost Farewell. That one that one feels like it encapsulates like just a lot of what I love about well especially like the the longer tracks as well just the the tension and the restraint that you feel over the course of like the build up and then as soon as it reaches like maximum intensity it just like starts to spiral and then it feels like it falls apart but like the elements are still there and like you just kind of go with it from there. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's a, it, it definitely a standout. Word, yeah, I think that's a good, that's a good one to uh, highlight. So let's listen to a little bit of Fire Orchestra. Uh, album is Echoes. Mm-hmm. 
All right. My next one is Def C and Messiah Music. The album is called The Golem of Brooklyn. Def C and Messiah Music are meeting again on this album after their first one together, 2021's classic Trap Door. Def C is an MC from Illinois and Messiah is a producer from Baltimore. Um, they've both collaborated with a lot of different rappers and producers, but I think maybe they're both might at this point be best known outside of their own material anyway as part of like the broader Backwoods mm-hmm. family. So Billy Woods and company kind of certainly falling in the umbrella featured a lot as producers and collaborators. And I'm Backwoods is, is just the most exciting thing in rap to me right now and maybe the most exciting thing in music right now for me as well. At least, at least up there. So this is, I'm going to try and follow everything that, people who are in this fan you know the backwoods crew like put out i'm I'm always at least scoping it out and seeing what it's like um because we can't just be focusing on woods and the lucid and arm and hammer like it says this is a whole this is a whole thing a whole movement and this album is so interesting and i think i actually listened to rap music plug podcasts interview with with def c and messiah about this album before i actually heard the record and um i found the subject material to be so interesting so compelling and then go to check out the album and, and discover that it's just a, an excellent um, hip-hop release an excellent you know kind of boom bap like very introspective release and this album is just such an honest and at times very unflinching well oftentimes an unflinching um, and at other times very loving sort of self-examination of Defsi's Jewish identity and sort of like the broader culture in the U.S. This is kind of, you know, like I'm just observing this, of course, like I'm not, uh, I'm just observing this person's cultural like markers and, and, and how they're interpreting things. And I think the appeal for me is not necessarily in like the subject itself, but more like this self ex- cultural self-examination mm-hmm. that I think everyone should be doing um, if they if they feel a, a strong deep-rooted connection to where they come from and, and, and everything that goes along with that, especially like in, in the diaspora and the melting pot of the West. And and so I think that's really what makes this album so compelling to me. I mean, the music fucking slaps, of course. FC and Messiah are both top-notch um, at what they do. The, you know, these, these sort of examinations of uh, conforming into, you know, Ju- Judaism conforming into whiteness, there's a lot of like Old Testament and sort of mythologizing brought into like the bars. That's super clever, you know, European based stereotypes, survival, um, the, the beautiful principles of Judaism, of course. And then like this sort of disappointment within his community. I mean, this is a hard fucking thing to talk about. And if you listen to that rap plug music interview, which I'll link um, and I recommend, it's 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 a really interesting conversations. But, you know, this this appeals to me because I just love. I love raw and nuanced, nuanced writing and perspectives uh, like Def C's. I mean, he just does such a beautiful job here, putting that all into the album. You being able to catch a lot of it, like from the beginning too, this is not, I think that there's some deep stuff that is definitely flying way over my head here that, you know, me not being part of the culture is going to elicit, of course. But I, I should also say this serves as a soundtrack to a novel of the same name, a novel that was written by Adam Mansbach, which I think resonated deeply with Def C. And the, so this is this, the actual soundtrack to it. This is the soundtrack to the Golem of Brooklyn. But I don't know. I'm going to talk for a minute. Wes, how did you get along with this? What did no, you yeah, think? you're good. Um, I uh, I think I connected with it, with it on a similar level, although there's definitely more, uh, quite a bit of nuance to it that, you know, while it doesn't apply to me necessarily, uh, it still feels like, 
really important and really uh, meaningful for everybody involved. I I appreciate I appreciate the the reference anyway because I was uh, curious about like how this was um, like listed or titled as like a soundtrack album, and I wasn't aware like or wasn't familiar with like what that connection was. But in terms of like what I was hearing, I I, I appreciated like along with like the the nuance the 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 certainly like the weighty topics here like i i appreciated how there was like a lot of like playfulness that kind of shown through as well evident in like some of the like spoken word bits uh some of them are a bit more serious but you've got some like goofy ones as well some skits like um kind of reminds me mm-hmm. of i mean there have been like so many hip-hop artists like over the decades who've done that kind of thing but like that that playfulness co- kind of reminded me of like something you might hear on like like an Aesop rock or like an open mic eagle record or something like that those were kind of like some initial comparisons but like also kind of reminded me on like the more serious conceptual side of like maybe maybe some stuff coming from like ka if you've listened to him uh kind of the yes Love yeah, ka, yeah 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 and the god ka yes i'm familiar <laughs> and just like kind of the different approaches he'll take on each of his records um but yeah, this is one I want to dig into quite a bit more. But there were there were certainly moments that stood out. The uh, I think it's on the track "Nights of Broken Glass." There's like kind of um, very uneasy, almost sounds like synthetic voice samples kind of coming through, and alongside like uh, samples of like clinking glass as well. And it's like all kind of like played at this like dragging tempo, um, and it really like it was it was one of the I mean, there were other there were other tracks that kind of had like very sort of ominous or like uneasy kind of vibes, but like that one just like caught me off guard a little. Like I felt very disoriented, but I yeah. I, I fucked with it quite a bit. Yeah, I mean, Messiah Music is he's a really fascinating producer. I mean, do you know the, the album Church? Yeah, yeah. Billy Woods. I think that was all Messiah. I think mostly Messiah mm-hmm. Music produced album. And then there's something so um, it is it, on one hand like it's classic like boom bap, you know, like the gritty uh, version of it in the production but then it's just got such like a dusted quality to it too it's just it just feels like everything's like caked with like a thick layer of like dust (laughs) you know it just sounds it sounds so it sounds like kind of ancient or something i just i love that there's that quality but like the everything is very resonant too like everything really comes out but it's just just sort of caked in this archaeological (laughs) dust or something um i love that this album like hip-hop especially like it is such a it's such an effective, potentially effective vessel for communicating, communicating like through your identity or how you identify. Cause it's the, you know, the singularity of like an MC telling a story. It's different than like being a fucking rock band. Like there's a lot that kind of gets in the way. You, this is just more direct, I think in a lot of ways. Um, and you're creating a soundtrack to, to go along with that. So I, I think hip hop has the power to do that. And of course, like, your hip hop's roots are, uh, you know, New York and like the U.S. and like black communities, like, of course, like you know, inventing <laughs> inventing this this completely like revolutionary form of form of music, and it's just so cool to see others who who are deep students of it like interrogate their own um, selves and their own cultures like in that way. I think I just also love that the the approach here is very much in the spirit of like the inner self and outer culture, and that's something woods and Armin hammer and the lucid like have really helped to take shape they didn't invent it of course they're not the first to do it at all but the artistry in which they do it really like results in like you're hurling these bombs of truth like into the zeitgeist um and i think this is very inspirational for for everyone who 
um, is paying attention to rap right now as well. Not that everyone is like following their lead, but I think it's just everyone is inspiring one another. Um, so yeah, I see Def C is following in that blueprint and applying his own experiences, his own inner arguments and conflicts and the things he loves about being Jewish into a rap album. And then coming out the other side, like with a work that is obviously going to touch other Jewish people out there who are thinking about these things, who ever thought about these things, or maybe in some some sort of push and pull <laughs> with it. But also if you I think if you fall outside of that identification like myself, you can appreciate the honesty, the artfulness. Um, of putting it on the line like that and as, as well so I definitely wanted to feature like a hip-hop album and it's not like a, a quota thing or anything like that but uh, this one really resonated with me um, since it came out and um, yeah just uh, love love the storytelling here love the uh, love everything about this absolutely great. yeah I, I appreciate you rounding rounding out all of our picks with some hip-hop because uh, I noticed it was absent from mine and like yeah as much as, as much as we could talk about like the heavy hitters and obviously as we've been alluding to like Billy Woods and all the backwoods stuff um in particular like you know his project and like Arm and Hammer like kind of at the forefront like plenty of other cool stuff hidden gems and like yeah the 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 confrontation the interrogation like it just it's it's so evident all the way up to the end with I think the track you highlighted um Confederate Flags in Tel Aviv um just incredible yeah. bars so so good um like all the way up to the end what a I I appreciate you uh you highlighting this one definitely yeah, and you know there may be there may be some, you know, as a Palestinian, there may be some recency <laughs> bias of everything that's <laughs> happening in the world. My my eyes have been really, I've always been tuned to to what's happening um, in Palestine, and obviously things are this year are blowing up and quite intense. Um, so there's a little bit of like cultural like in, like interest here. So I'm not I'm not completely <laughs> completely removed, and obviously. Sure. Uh, for Def C, this is this is not the point of the album, but it is like it is one thread that is uh, is happening throughout. So, um, yeah, you know, very interesting to get very interesting to get that perspective. And yeah, let's listen to a little bit of that track. Actually, um, once again, this album is called "The Golem of Brooklyn" soundtrack. <laughs> Southern Cross is flying in Zion like a semaphore. We can't say that I'm Jewish, not white anymore. Claim to be forthright, yet jumped at the chance to captain the fourth Reich in the matter of a fortnight. It's a metaphor. We chose flight and could have built something beautiful from the ground up. Instead, we decided we ain't like having black and brown people around us. Redlining God's country, busting blocks with bulldozers. Cold world, we sheared fat from the land for a wool pullover. That we never slid past our faces Enraged if someone justifiably calls us racist Many of us became who we hid from in basements Leo Frank lynched on a postcard Goodman and Schwerner buried with Cheney So we asked for a gold star When the question is, what have we done for you lately? Blind eyes to non-white immigrants We won't allow to be Israeli We should open up the books Instead we get cagey Compare the Holocaust to slavery And align ourselves with the same people Who are compromising our safety Sheldon Adelson shared the wealth and wound up funding the domestic terror cells stained synagogues with blood in Pittsburgh so his legacy will wear the shells. It does. It's not just him shaking hands with people who discuss our extermination over non-kosher lunches. Tell jokes about us when we don't attend those functions. Something about what we have in common with a pizza and an oven. Yet we trust them like at the final frontier they wouldn't turn everything we hold dear into buckskin. First ones out of the last ones in. 
and the doors crack. We turn our backs to ignore that. Like the text of the social contracts we signed didn't include a catch. The second there's nobody left to oppress, but the rest of the white people they detest. It's gonna be an appetite for our flesh. That same welling wall that we built for ourselves would be the one we're shot flat against. And yet we still wave Confederate flags in Tel Aviv. Fuck. Next up, we are changing the vibe once again. Thought you were through with black metal? Think again. We've got a uh, we've got Spirit Possession uh, and their new album of the Sign, which came out on I think this was a Profound Lore release. Yep. Cool. All right. I was not aware of these of this band previously until uh, I saw them live a couple of months ago. They opened for Beltwitch on on their most recent tour. Um, Fast and slow. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Lots of contrast. Also, at that show in particular, I think they like hopped on the bill at the last minute. But do you know Greet Death? Do you fuck with them at all? I love Greet Death. Oh, nice, nice, nice. They uh, wow, interesting band. They uh, for the bill, but I guess it works. Yeah, they, exactly. They were they they hopped on the bill. I think like like I said, it was kind of last minute within like uh, a few days of the show. They were just like, hey, by the way, we'll be there. <laughs> What's up? I, I love that they, uh, even though they're not a metal band, that they can always hang with the metal kids. It's awesome. Are, are they from Detroit? Uh, they're from Flint, I think. Yeah, okay. so still a Michigan band. Yeah, I've uh, I've seen uh, them a couple other times too. They're they're awesome. Death, we need we need a we need a new album next year. Oh, it's it's got to be coming down the pipeline, right? <laughs> they're they're one of my favorite. Like sad as fuck. There there are also a lot of a lot of different things. Ah, oh, love that band. They're so yeah. good. So so good. Anyway. But uh, yeah, so Greet Death played, and then these guys came on, and uh, it's um, I feel like the vibe is like definitely some strong nods to more like traditional black metal, although it's got kind of its own like twisted chaotic spin to it. There's definitely some like speed and like kind of thrash influences going on too. It's it's really most of this album is like at breakneck pace. Um, very very good, and that. None of that energy was lost live either. Interestingly, this could be the case as well on the record, but when I saw them live, they played as a two-piece. It was just a guitarist and vocalist, and then... uh, I was going to ask, did they play as a duo? Because I believe they record as a duo as well. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, They they played as a duo live, and uh, one thing I didn't notice when I saw them live, because I think I may have had too many drinks up until that point, but I went back and like looked at... uh, some live footage of them and the dude doesn't play with a pick which is wild which is wild to me (laughs) somebody somebody like picked that out in like uh i I forget which how do you play that fast (laughs) exactly that's what i'm saying dude i i i I don't remember which subreddit it was but somebody picked it out and was like i can't believe this guy doesn't play with a pick and everybody was like are you are you serious right now (laughs) like really long fingernails right yeah i i took a closer (laughs) look and i was like yeah they're right no pick um and like as a you know as a guitarist myself it's like i you know i i fuck with classical and stuff like you got to have a pretty good like finger finger picking style but like to do this kind of shit like next level stuff i can barely comprehend i i don't know if it's like i may have to look at it again i don't know if it's like some like weird type of like hybrid picking or something like Mm -hmm. that that's going on but somehow he's able to pull off like the tremolo and like the really crazy like hammer-ons and stuff it's it's 
it's all over the place. Um, well, like the hammers make sense, right? Because that's all your, you know, you're not your your neck hand, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's all that. But like tremolo picking with your fingers, the only context for that I can think of is like flamenco. So is it is it that was it? Did it seem like that kind of movement where it's like full kind of like hand like moving really fast? It it very well could have been from what I remember. Yeah, that's uh, it seems like his jam. I was uh, awesome. I, I was already impressed from the the time that I saw them live, but I was just like the the impressiveness just like was upgraded as soon as I learned that. Another interesting thing I came across kind of after the fact was that I think the vocalist slash guitarist for this group for this duo has been in some other projects. He's also in Ulthar and mm-hmm. also the the dude behind uh, here's a Flunzer connection behind the group Mastery. Um, have you listened to that album oh yeah yeah, yeah. it's valis absolutely bonkers uh (laughs) um that's that's one i have to be it might be an album the metal album with the most riffs on it of all time just yeah (laughs) somebody called guinness like it's it's that's got to be the case yeah i uh i didn't learn that connection i didn't know it was the the guy behind mastery until after and I'm, i'm really thankful because like after Bellwitch's set, we were all just kind of like shuffling out of the venue in a trance. And like the, this guy was just like chilling at the merch table. And I thought about going over to say like, Hey, what's up? Like, that was a really great set. You guys really remind me of this band on the Flenser. They're called mastery. And <laughs> if I had done that, he would have been like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> or would have like gone along with it and like had some fun, you know, <laughs> <laughs> totally could have like <laughs> fucked with me. Um, but I was already just, I, I was in such a state. I was like, I don't even know if I can like fully form words right now because Bell Witch was just so incredible live that I'm like, I maybe I'll, maybe I'll hold off. And I'm glad that I did. S- saved myself the embarrassment. But anyway, this album, uh, very, very good. I feel like for, uh, maybe you'll have a different take on this, but like it doesn't feel like anything super new or like revelatory for like, if, if you're like a seasoned black metal listener, because like, like I said, it's it's very, very speedy black metal. There's a couple of like synthy interludes that you might hear on like a Bathory record or something like that. Again, kind of nodding back to like some of the more traditional stuff. But like, I do think it like breaks the mold enough in some pretty interesting ways. I mean, if if you're aware of like the mastery connection or maybe just like, you know, have listened to enough like weirder forms of like black metal like that, like I, I think you'll you'll have some some cool takeaways from it. Yes, and and Steve Peacock is the uh, the guitarist and vocalist, and then Ashley Spungen is the drummer. Hell of a drummer. Uh, also plays synths and was in a really, maybe still in a really cool band called Insect Arc, which has also put out a record on Profound Lore. And I don't know the name, but the primary person in the duo Insect Arc, the uh, guitarist, is in the newest uh, incarnation of Swans. As a um, guitar and pedals, I think pedal steel or lap steel player. I, I always confuse the two. Oh, that's sick. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm very glad that you you picked this because this was just one of those albums that I knew I was going to love, but just kind of avoided. I was like really not listening to a lot of metal for, for a good chunk of the year and then kind of got more into it after I did my um, black metal episode with John Rosenthal. Shout outs. Go back and check out that episode. But yeah, I was actually going to mention the the mastery connection, of course. But you 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 you're on it, and yeah, I I love this, and I've seen a lot of people pumping this album up. 
Definitely Bathory. I, I have that in my notes. If you love Bathory, if you love Ara Noir, um, maybe some of like the uh, crazy Brazilian Black Thrash stuff as well. And I think even newer stuff like um, Malo Carpeton, who I'm a big fan of, and then this other band, Funereal Presence, mm-hmm. um, who are fucking amazing, like old school black metal style thrash band, but are doing something quite different um, in terms of songcraft and sonics and stuff. I love this album. It's, you know, it's like that deep red kind of like hue on the album cover. That is how this album sounds. Like you feel like you're in, it's that hue like the entire time. (laughs) I don't know. This is just that lane of metal that's indebted to like the old school, like you're saying, like it's very evil sounding, which which is great. Um, But it's bringing in a new energy. You know, I think that they're, they're also matching the old early black metal thrash bands and like, you know, submitting the riffs for submission into, into, you know, the depths of hell too. So it's got that old school metal shit that I will never grow old or tired of. Um, it always works on me, but yeah, they do offer an original take. I think, especially in the guitar work, which is very varied and dizzying. The dude, the dude just has so many fucking tricks up his sleeve, but the riffs always serve the song. Um, so there's nothing technical for the sake of it, despite like there's a clear, there's a clear mastery, <laughs> you could say, Easily, of yeah. like of like the instrument, at least from like the, in the metal world of things. And this is just one of those metal as fuck albums that kind of shakes me out of my tendency to always want like originality and, and like pure innovation in metal, and reminds me that I like metal because I like sick riffs. Um, you know, yes. I like metal because I like silly demonic shit, and t- I want to be transported to a hellish fantasy world. So. This is one of those bring you back to your basics kind of like records. And yeah, it's hard to do like dope shit in like black and thrash music. I think anytime, like especially with this like giant, you know, we like all know what the, like the classics are at this point. But this is just this is just one of those records that just it just it, it hits all those markers while still being like fresh. So, yeah, love this one. Big fan. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything else on this? I mean, like we talked a lot about all the other albums, but like this is just one of those ones I think that <laughs> it is what it is what it is, and it fucking rocks. And that's as strong a reason to listen to it as any other explanation we gave for any other album. Yeah, absolutely. Just another one you gotta you gotta experience for all the reasons stated, and uh, yeah, just whatever whatever you bring to it. Um, I think it can. I think because of like the 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 combination of like different styles there, and just how fucking awesome and impressive it is um and how you know in reverence of like the classics but also new and interesting it just like you know it's it's one of those like what's not to love kind of albums uh if this is if this is your uh if this is your jam yeah absolutely okay let's listen to a little bit of of the sign from spirit possession Oh, <laughs> 
Okay, my next one is uh, a three-way split. This is three bands, Nidosphere, Abandoncy, and Flooding. This is 100% a cheat pick because it's three bands, and there's only three tracks here. But I will say I listened to this split. I've listened to it like nonstop since it dropped like very early in the year. I think I got turned on to this album and these bands from Chat Pile or maybe even Tom from Planning for Burial. I know that they're both really kind of bigging up this year, especially a lot of like this Midwest Great Plains, like DIY scene that has taken shape over the past several years. I think if you know the Kansas City label, The Ghost is Clear, that's a very prominent sort of label that's featuring a lot of really fantastic stuff. It's home to flooding. It's home to Abandoned Sea, uh, Nerver, a band that went out with Chat Pile. Yeah. Norse, a lot of great stuff. Um, anyhow, these three bands, Nidosphere, um, Abandoned Sea, and Flooding, I think are all three bands are phenomenal. I think I, I love them all equally. I think the tracks that they contribute to the split are such great starting places for each band. And every band released something in 2023, like two full lengths and a split and in, in a single. So I'm just really using this as a means to an end to get three picks for the price of one. <laughs> but like this was something that I, this was like a little bubble of music that I that I discovered this year that I have been so stoked on um, as well. But I don't know, what's your familiarity, Wes, with like, were you familiar with like, maybe not the split, but like any of these bands at all? These uh, kind of get talked up in like Flensry circles too, I, I feel like. Yeah, I, I can totally see how that happens. And I do have, <laughs> as I'm sure you do as well, some Flenser connections as far as like, just, you know, what they, what, what each of these kind of sound like. But yeah, I was, I was not familiar with, with any of these groups. Uh, it's, it totally does make sense though the connection there and like also gotta gotta respect tom and yeah dudes from chat pile maybe for like highlighting some of these uh these smaller acts tom's like uh highlights that he'll do that just like here's my month of like mm -hmm. all the shit i've listened to there's always like incredible stuff on there um you could take yeah. all your cues from tom <laughs> and like you'll you'd be good like you don't need to like yeah if there's Listen to anything you don't need to seek anything out yourself ex exactly you just to. one stop shop just tom from planning for burial just like i'm just imagining someone who's like a total like blank slate just like i what is music just just go to tom he'll he'll tell you he'll let you know <laughs> absolutely i i dig the the stylistic variety here but also the fact that like the whole release just kind of brings the gloom as they say um mm -hmm. <laughs> in flenser circles time. perhaps it just does it at like different paces right because like you have um nitosphere which is like that i think they bring that kind of somewhat noisy like indie rock with some like really catchy vocals and then you have the switch up to abandon sea where there's like really crushing like doomy stuff that seems to like always just like about to fall apart it feels kind of reminiscent of like elizabeth color wheel in a way i also really dig the uh the drum fills kind of during like those more doomy parts. That's uh that, that was definitely a standout moment um, from what I recall. And then uh, I think flooding's contribution is like, again, brings back the noise. Um, definitely some slow core stuff going on. I love the, the scuzzy bass on the buildup. It's like um, that whole track feels like a sort of, sort of like a less black metal Ragana in a way. Um, definitely, oh, yeah. definitely made that connection. It's uh, if you've if you're keeping up with them as well, so yeah, I can't even fault you for for the cheap move. Um, <laughs> three bands in one, I'm t I'm totally down. 
Uh, you know, I think speaking of the Flenser, I think if the Flenser is uh, truly committed to our collective misery, they should sign all three of these bands for their next full lengths. I, I Not, the, the evidence. This is all the evidence they need. This is yeah. Let's I get mean, on yeah, it. Yeah, maybe some Flenser artists are whispering that in uh, Jonathan's ear. Who knows? And who am I? Who am I to tell anyone how to do their job? But um, <laughs> you know, I just I, I can't help but make the connection. I think starting with a split is great as a great place, but if if this is going down well for you, like check out the Nightosphere LP. They're a Kansas City band. The album is called Catapsis. You know, I, I agree with you. I've described their sound as like melancholy and very beautiful. I think they're the most beautiful of the three. Sonically can go from like a hushed, slow thing to a very noisy, like post-hardcore, like more abrasive kind of thing. And then also like they do kind of like a slick indie rock, like singer-songwriter thing really well too. They're, they're really dynamic as the uh, music nerds uh, like to overuse. Um, and it has so many shades of like different styles of indie rock running through its veins that you can't point to any one reference point. Mm-hmm. And, and Claire is a, such a talented vocalist. The singing is gorgeous. Um, and, and I love the melodies. So the Catapsis is a wonderful album. I mean, I could have picked that as easily as one of my, one of my tops, but I did the, I did the cheat shit. Abandoned Sea is also from Kansas City. They put out a split with Norse earlier this year, which I highly recommend checking out. But they put out a single, I think, a month or two ago called Glass, Glass Labyrinth. And if what they do in the future is like, if that track is indicative, like that is going to be my favorite shit of the year. They, they describe themselves as three big nerds in search of the big riff yonder. <laughs> and like, you, that's such a great description. But it's also like, if you're going to say that, you, you better be bringing the big riffs. Oh, yeah. What a life purpose. And, and, and they do. It is. That is the, that is really life's purpose, regardless of who you are. <laughs> what it all um, comes back to. Yeah. The singer sounds, he sounds a lot to me like Creston from Harvey Milk. I don't know if you're a Harvey Milk guy or if you've checked them out. I think I discovered, well, I had heard the name before, but I l- finally listened to Harvey Milk after it was highlighted in one of your episodes. I think it was the one you did with Tom, actually. Yeah. Yeah. The 90s. Yes, yes, 90s yes. That, that was yeah. what finally got me into them. Yeah. But I... I totally hear it, yeah. Because there's a there's like a doomy, sludgy aspect, but it's not metal. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like it's coming from metal bands, but it's just it's just more. I don't know. It's just it's coming from a more volatile place. They're kind of an ugly sounding band in a good way, but they are fire players. I mean, it's just a three piece, um, and they really get the most out of their instruments and like definitely are beating the shit out of their instruments. So <laughs> I'm really stoked for a full length from these guys. And then lastly, Flooding, who I may be the most kind of like known of those three, I would say. There's some, I think they went on tour this year and did quite a lot of dates. They also put out a full length this year um, called Silhouette Machines. I saw that they're from Lawrence, Kansas or from Kansas City. I don't know. I saw claims of both. So (laughs) not sure where they're from, but you know, Flooding, you can't be two places at once. So claim your turf. Which one is it? Um, I don't know what it is about. If it is Kansas City, like, holy shit, Kansas City's got a lot popping off. going on right now. Yeah. So I'm saying, like, this is like Oklahoma, you know, Kansas, can- you know, Missouri. Like, there's a lot of fire shit happening, like, across a lot of different styles of music from from this part of the of the U.S. Worth highlighting, of course. Fuck the uh, East Coast, West Coast biases. But in terms of sound, I think flooding takes a bit more liberally from, like, slowcore there's definitely like some icy codeine like passages. Mm. Um, they can get very plodding and heavy too, like which just really brings up 
brings them up the misery <laughs> in all of us. Um, but Rose is a tremendous vocalist. Uh, there's, you know, there's whispers, screaming, beautiful harmonies. They're, they're all happening within the course of a song and, and throughout the whole record. So, mm-hmm. yeah, this is my cheat pick. Check out all, all three of these groups if, if you like what you hear. I, it's one of those splits where I'm like, if you like one, I think you're going to like all of them. But I don't know. Maybe people have their favorites. Yeah, I can I can see it breaking down like that. But there's, uh, yeah, there's there, there's definitely a, a thread that that ties them all together. Um, for, yeah, for nerds like you and me who dig all kinds of stuff. Yeah. So I don't know what I'm gonna play here. I haven't thought that far ahead. So I'll 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 come up with something and <laughs> play it and put it in the show notes. So you you get what you get. Maybe I'll play like just like a, a minute of each. Yeah. Do a do a something. <laughs> Three way sample. Yeah. I'll play all three tracks at the same time over each other. Just mm, okay. So you can see what that sounds like. Trade Honestly, guard. I'm going to do that. And if it sounds decent, I'm going to play that. It's kind, of <laughs> fu- it's kind of fucked for me to do so. But I'm stoked yeah, for let's, it. Um, let's get into the into this split and then uh, we'll jump to your final pick.
All right, my uh, final main pick is from a fella by the name of John Bentz and his new album, Archangels. I originally discovered him through, he was brought up in an interview with uh, Jamie Stewart from Shushu. Uh, I think it was, um, may have been something, I don't remember what the, the context of it was. I think it was pretty much just like he was highlighting some like records in his collection or just like kind of more small time artists that he was like staying on top of and just like wanted to plug for this like interview. And I'm really glad that he did. Um, This was actually in reference to an earlier work of John's, uh, an EP called Kill. So that was my entry. Um, And it is a fantastic, just like heart pounding EP. It's uh, apparently like the, the concept is it's like about a man who like kills his lover and then he commits suicide. Then he like goes through hell and like eventually meets God and go goes through some form of like you know redemption all in the span of like 15 minutes <laughs> it's a it's, it's ambitious for an ep <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <I love> it. <laughs> and it's so just not i mean i i haven't looked into i don't even think there are really like that many any lyrics to it like it's it's very like uh there's a vocal presence for sure but it's all very abstract the opening track um just lots of like shouting and chanting and just nonsensical like vocalizations it's like so hard to Mm. describe but um it's very visceral very just gets across the violence that it is trying to uh to convey conceptually at least um it's a maybe maybe for sprain fans there may be a nice connection here that could be could be um i think other than that ep he's put out a couple like shorter albums that I think are more, from what I recall, I think I've only heard like one of them actually, like they're a little more piano based, but this one, Archangels, it was released like pretty early this year. It feels like a really great synthesis of those like classical elements that feel very strong in his like style of playing. And then also like, like the really dark choral and also like noisy, like dark ambient sort of stuff that he, um that he pulls off on that kill EP too. Feels like he's really just like, serious about like bringing all of that together and uh kind of putting out this like um you know really great like sampler of just like this is who i am this is what i'm all about this is and this is how fucked up i can i can make my album sound and it's it he he pulls it off to to really really great effect and this is uh i feel like out of again probably like out of all the stuff i like highlighted here um like again just like really really small time artist he's uh I think this album came out on Thrill Jockey. I think he's been working with them for a minute. Um, yep. But again, he's yeah, super small time. Nobody else apart from Jamie Stewart, of course, is uh, is really talking about him. But um, yeah, how did uh, how did this one feel feel for you? This was um, this required a couple of listens, and even then, I'm mm-hmm. I'm still I'm still digesting quite a, quite a lot. Um, the Jamie Stewart thing I didn't know about that makes a lot of sense. Especially, I think me. It sounds like maybe the way you're describing the Kill EP, there's maybe some more liberal use of different types of vocals than versus like what's here. I mean, there is like the, a lot of the Gregorian chant chant stuff, but I don't remember catching a lot of just like wild like kind of vocals on this full length, right? Or am I? Or, it's it's definitely more on on this release, Archangels. It's it's quite a bit more subdued. Um, the vocal yeah. presence is anyway. Um, whereas on kill, he just pretty much comes out swinging, just absolutely screaming, like shredding his vocals for, for a hot minute. Um, 
Whereas this one, yeah, leans more into the chance. Um, although there's a little bit of similarity, like um, sonically, with just kind of like the the really like abrasive kind of like sharp rhythmic stuff going on. It's it's a little hard to describe, honestly. Uh, this is, <laughs> I think, like you said, this one took me a, uh, at least a few listens before I could like even sort of describe what was going on, yeah. what I was hearing. Yeah, that's that's what's challenging about artists like John Bentz and like you know Tim Hecker let's say mm-hmm. it's this is very much a, a like a this is like a contemporary composition so it's artful it's conceptual but again i think these uh, these types of albums are a bit challenging for me to listen to sometimes even if i'm enjoying it on like a visceral sonic level because it becomes kind of evident that and they're all not all like this, but this is just like, maybe I'm just, just this is just my read into it. Mm-hmm. They require some kind of like undivided attention. And potentially the listener needs some context from the artist about what the intention, what intention to set before going into the album. But I also get that the, that, you know, and the art should sort of function as a standalone, like in whatever you relate to or whatever you get out of it and how you're experiencing in a lifetime is like the, the important thing. But an album like this does, and the way you're talking about it, because you know you know much more about John Benz than I do, is that there is a concept here. This is a graduate of the Royal Birmingham Conservatory, mm-hmm. so um, conservatory. So you know, there's some uh, not. I don't mean this disparagingly. There's some potentially some high-minded like concepts happening here that are difficult to thread if you're just listening to the music. I mean, it's possible you would you could arrive at, at something similar, but yeah musically this is wild it's an experience it's not an album i got the opportunity to listen to while not doing something else so i i just don't have the best take on it yet yeah i have a a room in my house that's just a couch set across from my records and my speakers and my whole system or whatever and i could don't have to play records or i could play whatever i want so what i need to do with this album is um just put it on on like streaming connect it and just lay on, lay on the couch and also crank it way the fuck up <laughs> and make sure like my roommate's not home and like walks in on me to like just be like what the fuck are you doing oh my god no that's how you gotta do it man i mean even just with music in general yeah just yeah being a t- intentional like that but this one is is quite demanding of your attention even though it's it's still in a lot of ways like again just like the the sparser more ambient portions of it are a little bit more subtle a bit more understated um until it isn't until it just like pulls that out from under you and and switches things up again it's uh it's it's a very like just multifarious experience but yeah what i what i initially appreciated about the kill ep and i imagine also with this one too i think as i as i maybe spend a bit more time with it uh it'll kind of come into focus but dudes dudes just got like a great sense of narrative um and i think like it even comes across in the music itself. Like there are certainly little like motifs that will pop up in different points across the record. Like um, that I started to notice more on kind of like repeat listens, the really like, I guess like the darker, more intense parts sound like they could play over like maybe some of the more like fucked up scenes of like a Guillermo del Toro movie or something like that. Like I really, I started to think about that recently. I was like, this dude could score some like weird experimental movies or something like that. Like I, (laughs) <laughs> maybe he's maybe he's gearing up for that i don't know or maybe he just like yeah kind of as uh as you were alluding to maybe like just wants wants this stuff to kind of like be stand on its own and like you know 
represent kind of its own world maybe like that's and that would be totally valid too but like uh i think this dude has like a lot of strengths that could lend itself to uh to a movie score or something like that yeah this music's very visual it's it's de- it's definitely like even if i had the opportunity to sit down and just listen to it and just focus in on it like there's no way i'm not like thinking of cinema or film or a scene just made up scenes in my mind um because the the music is so uh stirring in that way and there are the, there are those really really dark moments throughout the um like the chanting is very interesting it's like almost at times sounds like an like an auto-tuned chant like gregorian chant or something mm-hmm. um which gives it a very off-kilter thing i don't know if it's auto-tuned at all but it's like robotically you recognize like the Gregorian like style of chanting, but then it's like, it's like a bit robotic kind uh, of processed. Yeah. Weird. Yeah. Processed. Yeah. I, I think for thrill jockey is a label that is, has a quite a, quite a few of these types of artists. Um, and as well as like people who are in bands who have this other compositional thing that they want to explore. And then thrill jockey becomes a good place for them to, to put that out. I mean, it's, it don't get more, uh, off, putting then thrill, thrill jockey a lot of the time like <laughs> that is a label that is a challenging label for challenging music and not everything is like that on the label some stuff goes down pretty smooth but um so what did you want to listen to off of uh archangels i think it's the second track uh metatron archangel of kether that one feels most representative of of, of Benz's like I guess overall style here, um, or, or just brings together a lot of elements that'll get across like m- maybe like make it easier for for listeners to know like what the hell we're talking about because this one is easily just one of the more like kind of strange <laughs> abstract ones that's like how do you even put this into words? But this will right. this will get it across. I think. I think I did see somewhere someone refer to this as a twenty-four core, like the, <laughs> <laughs> which is like stupid, but it's like uh, it's also a thi- like it's a thing, yeah, yeah, like, sure. But but also like get him get him in the studio, like let's get him recording something for a <laughs> the next Robert Eggers movie or something. <laughs> fuck, it, fuck yeah, that'd be sick. All right, let's listen to a little bit of uh, a little snippet um, of John Bentz from the album Archangels.
All right, my final one. This is an artist, I believe the name is Brie, B-R-I-I. The album is Ultimo Ancestral Kamum, Kamum. I don't know exactly. Sure. Um, This is Portuguese. Brie is the project of Caio Lemos. Um, He's a multi-instrumentalist and artist um, from Rio de Janeiro. He's got a few bands of which I think Kataira is probably the most well-known. I'm a big fan of Kataira. They are like an epic black metal band that blends folk sounds from like the Amazon, from native Brazil. And I'm talking like extended passages of like Gilberto Gil like style uh, acoustic strumming and like traditional instruments and like jungle noises. Um, you really feel like you've been dropped into like a remote part of the rainforest when you listen to Brie. It's it's really phenomenal stuff. And that part of it is just as important as the black metal part. Like it's not like jungle interludes and then like cool black metal. It's like so interwoven, like happening at the same time, yeah. happening like on top of each other, like putting blast beats to fucking like jung- like jungle music. It's so sick. Have you ever listened to Katyra before? Uh no, I haven't. It's good stuff. I'll 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 send I'll send you my the record that I like the most from from there. But yeah, Katyra's got like three or four really really great albums. Oh, yeah. Also very prolific, like puts out an album like every year and, and always rules. Nice. But um every album is is like very much a voyage into the world that is being created and and um you know, I love the shift away from like euro the eurocentricity of the genre, which is not a new thing of course, but I love that malleability of black metal um kind of to be like incorporated but into like folk traditions of like the non-western um non-white culture world but um anyway that's all katyra but it's very similar to what happens in brie too i mean i think brie is a melding of what i would say is pretty similarly raw and atmospheric epic black metal like i don't see a ton of differences between the black metal in katyra and the black metal parts in brie necessarily it's very lo-fi like atmospheric epic long-form style black metal almost like like um Trey, like that other album that I featured. Yeah. But the thing is with Brie is there is um, electronic music here. And I don't mean like electronic flourishes. I mean like two kind of distinct styles of electronic music. One is like this cosmic, like kind of Krautrock German style, like arpeggiated synth kind of stuff. That's very like space oriented. And then straight up dance beats. (laughs) Like... (laughs) So uh, that's kind of like how I would describe Brie to to somebody who's listening for the first time. I don't know how did you how did you get along with this? I think I hyped this one pretty hard too. So sometimes I do I get a little too excited. No, yeah, I uh, I, I found myself convinced, although I wasn't expecting to be. I think kind of similar to how you how you described your experience as well, where it's like, um, yeah, I mean the the first track like gets you kind of expecting like a more of a like chilled out almost like ambient techno sort of experience um yeah before the blast beats kick in and you're just like this is something else entirely hell yeah let's go i i really do dig the uh the melding of styles like it really um i don't i don't want to say it's like seamless or anything but like it totally it totally doesn't clash and it's not yeah it's not super gimmicky or anything which like you know black metal can can certainly like dip into that quite a bit but this really it, it really comes across uh like really sincerely i think it would um i i mean vibe wise i think it would be great for like uh, a late night drive i think i think that's probably going to be the next time i (laughs) i spin it will be for that or maybe just like a rainy night you know staying in or something like that it just uh it's it's it feels like a very um almost like all-consuming kind of vibe like i just i i get locked in very 
very easily with this one. It's not a slick sounding album at all. No. And it is like, it sounds like shit and it, it is me- like, it sounds messy. Yes. Also, and like maybe a, a bit of the playing. And I think that's true in Katyra too. And I, I just think it's part of it. And I think if you're listening to raw atmospheric black metal, this is just, this is just par for the course. Oh, sure. What happens. Yeah. I don't think there's like um, compositional like mistakes here, but there is some, you're right. There are some like jarring kind of like <laughs> things that happen when it's, when like the black metal heavier parts uh, rhythmically and then the beat parts are like coming in and there are parts where it's super seamless, but I don't know. It's just, it's just for me, it's like, uh, it's so rare that I can find something I like in the genre of like dance music. And it's happening here in a very lo-fi, dingy way. Um, he it seems like he's intentionally using the most like played out, like corny electronic sounds here. I mean, you're you're gonna hear like orchestral stabs, <laughs> like <laughs> happening while there's like a a ripping like black metal part, and then these like rave beats that come in are like so cartoonishly like hilarious. It's almost like you know how the body like incorporates their like beats into their music. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like it sounds it sounds like sounds so shitty but in such a fucking awesome way you know oh yeah yeah where like yeah you're you're going deliberately for something just like all like yeah fucked up and grimy and very messy as you put it for sure um but like it sounds like super nintendo like fighting game like beats you know what i mean like (laughs) when when like the you know japanese composer went to make the music for street fighter or something like that and it's like you got to make it kind of rhythmic and techno-y, right? To like keep the momentum going of like the game. Yes. It sound to me like it's it's those sounds. <laughs> little little bit like loading screen music, but like that's fine. It, it has a place here. <laughs> yeah. It totally does. <laughs> as much as uh, well, maybe as much as the melodies don't shine through, just because this is a very like lo-fi, very messy kind of uh, mix. But like it, I, I feel like a connection I made melodically at least and this will be my last flinzer connection i promise is uh to botanist in a way maybe it's just like oh yeah maybe it's just like the i don't know the weirdo kind of black metal stuff going on here but um but they came to mind and also of course like some of the more like variants of black metal on like the cosmic side of things um maybe like Mm -hmm. uh again like different sort of style here but like it just kind of brought to mind the bands like violet cold or like um Mezarthim, I think, is... I'm not sure how it's pronounced exactly, but I haven't listened to those bands in a while, but I just... I found myself kind of... For some reason, this album just, like, fired the neurons down those pathways for me, and I was like, huh, like, it kind of just brought me back to that place, and I was like, there's a... some sort of connection there, but this is totally uh, taking it in a new kind of interesting direction, for sure. Yeah, yeah, no doubt. I think... You know, I say sometimes the techno parts they're i mean not sometimes i i I straight up like the techno parts and dates parts as much as i like the black metal material on here Mm -hmm. i think it's really cool um i almost even think like this guy could just put out like really cool lo-fi dingy like techno electronic music and i would probably love it like a (laughs) lot although i i really like it in um, juxtaposition to the black metal too totally um the last track on this album this is only four songs has zero black metal on it at all I fucking rock that track all the time when I'm like on a run or like just trying to zone out or something. Nice. You know, this there's a lot of like kind of like bad singing almost on this too, like that pops up and stuff. There's it just has a lot of those kind of like we probably didn't have too many takes for this part or whatever, yeah. but it's all part of the charm for me anyway. This is like a very self-contained 
very truly outsider fucking music kind of thing, but like with some real like badass like parts to latch on to. And I just think it's what this guy's doing is very ballsy, like too. Like the Katyra project is amazing and different in that it's like also lo-fi and stuff, but it's like majestic and it's like a voyage and it's like beautiful. Like it takes you to a place. And this is this is an ex- like a true experiment in infusing these two things. But then also like as you're listening to it, it starts to not matter that like it starts to not feel like a simply a fusing of black metal and like dance music or like yeah. cosmic electronic music. It comes into its own um, as this truly outsider kind of project. And um, it's not like the most metal album at all, but like it is, it's just the metal album that I found myself spun, spinning the most this year for whatever reason. So yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. And interesting for your, for your own musical journey, just as, as you said, as someone who like typically doesn't appreciate like techno and stuff, maybe, uh, maybe this is, this is your entry point. You just like <laughs> wrap it up with black metal and just like bury it in a shitty lo-fi mix. And uh, <laughs> that's how it gets force fed. Openly discriminate against tech. <laughs> I need to, um, I need to come back from my my place of hatred and <laughs> and learn to love. I have like an irrational aversion when I hear like four on the floor like beats like you know right. like it just kind of puts me into this bad place. And I've never it's weird. I've never had a bad like rave experience or anything. I've had good times at these things. Like yeah. it's nothing to do with a culture. It's nothing to do with like anything superficial i don't know what it is about just like incessant like beats that like kind of turns me off not of all i like a lot of lot of electronic music but it just tends to be stuff that's more rhythmically like going all over the place like drum and bass like i can't get into drum and bass even though it's a cool beat like i can't take hearing that beat over and over and over yeah. for some reason so no i got you I... it's one of those genres i'm just a little bit of a of a shithead about <laughs> that i that i I'm, i want not to be yeah Maybe this is uh maybe this is part of it. It's how you reconcile, how you heal. <laughs> yeah. Uh, love of techno through black metal. You know what? Let's uh let's close out here and then I'll go out on a little snippet of uh, a brie track cool. from Ultimo Ancestral Kamum. But we're all done here. We fucking did this. Whew, we made it. Hell yeah. This was so much fun, dude. It was. Thank you so much for I think it was you who suggested the idea. I'm stoked that I got to do this. I think we got a pretty interesting assembled list here and like more recommendations than you could ever probably want exactly i i was gonna say it feels like uh i mean you definitely highlight like multiple bands in your episodes but like usually kind of centered around like one style or one scene or one label or something like like that whereas this one is kind of just like you know what's our total number like 18 you've got like 18 rabbit holes for the price of one here like that's that's crazy (laughs) (laughs) yes yeah, it absolutely is 18 Rebels for the price of money. Maybe that's what I'll title the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know what to say about like 2023 20, is a year for music. I find it like kind of corny to be like, well, the thing that was like really great this year was there was a renewed interest in blah, blah, blah. Like, who cares? It's yeah, yeah, yeah. fucking bunch of artists put out music that happened to come out this, this year, right? Like, you can't fancy it up, right? But I feel like every year is, every year is a good year for music so long as you're, you got your ears open and you're, committing too much of your life to it like we are yeah so all it takes yeah just just sell your soul to it no big deal <laughs> absolutely but yeah Wes thanks so much for doing this um, appreciate your your time and back and forth and notes and on this and I'd, I'd love to have you back for something else maybe we can get actually get into the weeds on something a little more drilled down one day sure dude yeah that'd be so much fun 
Maybe we start the spin-off Lenser podcast. Who the fuck knows? Hey, the day that that happens, uh, or the day that this podcast is just swallowed up by the Flenser, just like, just hit me up. Like, I'm there day one. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be titled The Flenser, and every episode will just be called The Flenser. The Flenser. <laughs> no other description. That's all, that's all you need. That's all you need. <laughs> no, no other description. Real heads will get it. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, once again, thanks so much, Wessa. This was awesome. This was a blast to do. Maybe we maybe we can make it a yearly tradition or something. That'd be sick. Just kind of check in, get the pulse of of the year. That sounds good to me. All right. Well, um, let's close things out here. I'm gonna go out on this Bree track. Please subscribe to the podcast if you're not already, so you don't miss out on an episode. They don't come that often, so you're probably gonna want to know when when they do arrive. Rate and review if you got an opinion on the show. I'd love to see some more reviews. I don't really care if they're positive or negative. Just say something. Um, But yeah, either way, I will see you back here with another rabbit hole of music next year. All right. Peace, y'all.